All right, everyone. Welcome to Unscrewed, episode five. Five. We made it to five, Truman. I'm Carlin Borosenko. You can find me at kb.locals.com and also on YouTube and Twitter and all that good stuff. And I'm here today with Truman for the fifth time. Truman, where can people find you? For the fifth time? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, on Twitter at MyMondayMinds, uh, returntoreason.locals.com and Return to Reason on YouTube, all the places, all, all the, places. the places. Return to Reason at all on all the places and unscrewed is basically a podcast where truman and i as two disaffected but red-pilled lefties former lefties i should say um basically talk about how we think the world is going to hell in a handbasket and we try to find different ways to fix it or at least cope with the world destructing around us in you know this i feel this is a very productive way to cope truman how about you dude i i felt so i mean like (laughs) It's not just that. It's also talking about ways that, you know, that we are trying to practically address this stuff. I mean, for people you didn't haven't seen our past conversations, which I think have been a lot of fun. For example, our whole the last conversation was all about libertarian movement and yeah. the, or the liberty movement, you know, as Dave Smith likes to call it. And the Mises caucus within that and just like the practical solutions around um politics to the degree that that politics offers us solutions you know but it's not zero and so yeah we're we're not just trying to have a you know a, a coping you know bitch session we're also trying to figure this stuff out practically so mm-hmm. um but yeah that's what we're doing here it's been a while i feel like like what you're saying before we we got started <laughs> it's it's one it's been a minute since we last talked and two is there's been a lot of stuff that's been going on so before we recorded, we were like, why don't we just kind of catch up and see what's on what's on your, our respective minds from the from the last few weeks and kind of see where that takes us. I've got a few thoughts and stuff I want to tell you about, but yeah. I want to hear what what's, what you've been thinking about. What's I going think on. how are I, you generally? I'm I you know I have I I really feel like I go through fits and starts with it because I feel like the world is getting more and more and more and more and more dystopian. And maybe it's just like, so I had this stupid thing happen where I got a second strike on my YouTube channel for covering an article that was in the Hill that talked about the University of Virginia disenrolling unvaccinated students. And I got a strike on my channel for this after YouTube had already manually reviewed it and had given it approval and monetization. And I was just like, you know, come on, this is just screwed up on several levels. And it it just became, I think, you know, I think that we can know things theoretically. And then like, once we actually experience the ramifications of those things, it's knowing it on a whole deeper level. So it's not as though I didn't understand that there were like stupid tech censorship issues and things. Of course I did. But you know what it really illustrated to me, Truman, was, um, you know, when, when Dave Rubin was talking about the need to create these smaller communities around like-minded people, I kind of, I, I don't know that I was 100% bought into his vision for the need of that. Now, that's not to say I don't like appreciate locals. Of course, we're like both on locals and I appreciate having, I joined locals because I, I trusted that Dave was never going to censor it or do anything nefarious. I trusted his vision, but I didn't necessarily agree that I thought that the future was going to be these little kind of like communities of like-minded people. Well, I gotta tell you, I've completely conned 180 on that. And now I'm like, yep. this is the only future that makes sense. Like these insulated communities that are going to, and it, it what really, what really did it for me was um, that I had a community zoom in my locals 
either last week or this week after I got that strike and we were talking about um, ivermectin and just, you know, whether or not people like what, what's going on with it, whether or not people think it's effective. I might post this on YouTube, so I can't even say either way. Check with the CDC. Um, but, you know, I, I trust I was, the science, trust, trust the science. So I will say the official position of unscrewed is trust the science. So trust the science. Talk to your doctor. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, so I, we were in this community Zoom talking about ivermectin and I had this kind of just a, like realization that the conversation that we were having in the community Zoom. I couldn't have that conversation on Facebook. I couldn't have it on Twitter and I couldn't have it on YouTube without being censored. And it's not like there was anything nefarious about this conversation. It was just people saying, here's what I think. Here's what I've read. Here are some things I'm thinking about. Like there's no, there was no like, you know, evil kind of, you know, ivermectin is the best thing ever for reason X, Y, B, and Z. And here's the evil suppression of the, like, there was nothing like that. It was just human beings talking, but it would, it was, it was about a subject that we would literally not be able to have the conversation on any of the big tech platforms without it being censored for medical misinformation. And in that moment, I was like, you know what? Ruben was right. He was right. And I'm more grateful for locals than I've ever been in my life. Yep. Well, I mean, it's also, I mean, one of the things that if I remember right, that brought you locals, which I know I remember it right, because you on Twitter, you said you were going to start a Facebook community. Mm-hmm. And I know I mentioned this before, but I said you should just go to locals because the Facebook ain't going to work. Yeah. And and you're like, this is what I'm trying for now. I remember you did. You did reply. And you're like, this is what I'm trying for now. I'm like, all right, well, I'll see how it, see how it works out. Mm-hmm. But I think locals is probably where you're going to land. And and that, and so you did try big tech even then to build a yeah. community um, and it didn't and it didn't work because it can't work. Well, it, it's not that it didn't work. That that group actually still exists on Facebook. The problem is that I can't go on Facebook because every time I go on Facebook, I get like a like a ban for something stupid. I literally got that's banned. what I mean. It can't work. It didn't it work because it yeah. can't work. It can't work in by work. I mean, you can't have a free and open conversation in that space no you can't truman i literally got a four-day suspension on facebook for quoting the new york times like it it is so ridiculous and so the group actually does still Mm. exist but we're Mm. getting all even in the early stages of that group we're getting just like all these content warnings and and facebook removing stuff without even telling us what was wrong and 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 so i was kind of starting to freak out one time and i was tweeting about it and ruben responded to me he's like you need to get on locals and i was like oh you're right he's right you were right. He was right. And thank God for locals. So, so let's talk about that. I want to, there's two things there that I think are worth digging into. One, um, do you want to talk about tech or the competing institutions thing? Because those are probably two separate conversations. But uh, both let's talk I mean, either, either way, either way you want to go. Well, let's keep with the, the tech thing and then we can, we can transition. Okay. So, I mean, you had that experience with YouTube. You're not the only ones who have had that, right? I think. Nope. Crowder got demonetized a couple of years ago. Um, Brett and Heather Weinstein, their the Dark Horse channel and their Clips channel has been demonetized. They said that was like over half of, I think they actually, if I remember right, said 60%-ish of their income for their family was from that. And that got demonetized. Um, if I'm wrong, people can fact check me, but I, th- I know it was over half. Yeah. Um, and so, and Dave has stuff demonetized and taken, and it's always like as an error, um, and so, and yeah, these places are not, play- and the, the, let's talk about even just the, the wedding of big tech and the generation of consensus and, and information and what is truth, right? The manufacturing of truth 
or manufacturing of consent, as Noam Chomsky would say, is the way that tech like elevates certain news or certain information as what is true. I mean, look what happened with the Rolling Stone thing. Did you follow that the other day? What happened with the, this Rolling Stone article? Uh, it, it has basically been totally debunked. Something about I'm not I'm not sure exactly, but I know it's totally debunked. So, yeah. So the Rolling Stone has this article out for days based on this one doctor who told them a story about how um, uh, the emergency rooms were so full of people that had been overdosing on ivermectin that they had to turn away gunshot victims. And they had a picture, actually, of people in line to get vaccinated as the picture for this article. Mm-hmm. And and they didn't verify the story at all. And you have like people like Rachel Maddow, all these other like news, like legitimate, you know, supposedly credentialed news entities parroting, take picking up the Rolling Stone thing and parroting it and doing pieces on it and quoting it and spreading this story. And then the hospital issues a statement because no one reached out to them. And the hospital issues a statement says, this doctor hasn't worked for us for two months. We have not had a single person in here for anything related to ivermectin. We haven't had to turn anyone away for any reason from the emergency room. The story is entirely fallacious. And then it takes Rolling Stone at least a day. I think it was a couple days. And they didn't even issue a retraction. Today, they issued an update. An update. The update of the story is that it's false. It's like, wow. but you still have the story and the update. You know what I mean? And so, and but that's that that stuff will they can continue to do that because no one holds them accountable. Glenn, Glenn Greenwald had a great uh, Twitter thread about this uh, just today. You know, and what's funny is that I quoted Glenn in a Twitter thread also, and then I didn't realize his was a thread. And I had quoted Matt Taibbi, and he ended his with a with a clip of Matt Taibbi, you know, because Taibbi and Hate Incorporated says you can make an entire career out of being wrong as long as you're wrong in the approved ways. Like you're wrong in the same ways that your team is. Yeah. And so you can just literally lie and, and there's no accountability. But the other end of that, so that's the one thing where, the, where tech elevates and credentials and approves, you know, things that are just abject bullshit. And the other side is, is that they, they, will, they will not allow things that are true, um, even, even if it's verifiably true. And so like I've been doing that. I want to tell you about this. I don't think I told you about this experiment that I've been doing on Facebook. Have I? No, I don't think so. Okay. So I reactivated my Facebook. I hate it. I had shut it down after the election. Cause I'm like, this place sucks. Um, it's <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do a whole video about this. Cause I want to, I'm going to show the screenshots of the stuff that I was doing, but um, <laughs> in the video, I'm probably going to mention something that Facebook anymore is just, bad memes and pictures of people's kids and it's like honestly like if i wanted to see a picture of your kid like if you're the type of person who i care about a picture of your kid i probably see you in person yeah and so i see your kid in person anyway uh so it's just yeah, i don't know what people use facebook for to be honest um and so but what i've been doing is so did you see i post about this their their new guidelines they issued like three weeks ago mm-hmm. facebook's like uh misinformation covid misinformation guidelines okay you know what I'm talking about? I, I, I've heard about did, it. Did, I didn't did you look see at any of the specifics of this stuff? No, no, no. Okay, dude. These are crazy, oh, crazy. Among the, among the things that are in there that they, that they said, these are just a few of them, but there's a whole list of these things. Uh, uh, so a lot of these statements of their updates are um, posts that, that might not violate our guidelines, but, and 
one of those buts was like, okay, if you if you are praising or celebrating healthcare workers who are protesting vaccine mandates, mm-hmm. they will censor that post or they they can they reserve the right to take it down or censor it or remove it. Um, if you're if you're just saying, hey, I stand with these workers or good for them for doing that, the one that that gave me the idea to do this experiment was they said, you know, if you make a post that might not necessarily violate our guidelines, but includes information that is either potentially or actually true, including personal anecdotes about negative experiences with the vaccines, but nevertheless might discourage people from getting them, they will be removed or censored. So if you have an actual adverse event and you say, hey, uh, this bad thing happened to me, it's verifiable from getting that, Facebook said, we reserve the right to remove that or censor that. And they literally say, actually true, actually true. And so, and because they're like, well, because it still might discourage someone from getting it. So I said, well, if they're willing to censor truth that has a conclusion they disagree with, how will they feel about lies that have a conclusion they agree with? So I spent two weeks, I updated my, put a little lens on my Facebook profile picture that's like, let's get vaccinated or something like that. They had those, those little lenses or filters you can put on there. Mm-hmm. They also have others that are like clearly geared towards conservatives. And I'm like, yeah, if you don't think they're using that as part of some algorithm to flag your account, if you pick one of those filters, like you're out of your mind, they're they absolutely are. using that for yes. that. Um, but anyway, so I, so I put, and I start, and I started slow, but I just was seeding my timeline with increasingly more insane posts about the dangers of, of COVID-19. So the first one was something simple where I'm like, cause it was right after the Pfizer vaccine was approved. Mm-hmm. So I said, is there any word on um, when this will be approved for kids younger than 12, which by the way, Pfizer wasn't approved for 13, 14 or 15. Um, and so, or 12, 13, 14 or 15. So it was only for 16 and above. So there's the first thing that's misleading in it. But I said, I don't want uh, to, or because we want our, our two-year-old to be able to get vaccinated as soon as possible, because we don't want to be among the tens of thousands of parents that have lost a toddler to the Delta variant alone, which is, that's not, that's so you basically just made false, a right? lot of stuff up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm getting a lot of likes from people on the left. There's a few conservatives that, you know, that's the people that are on the left that are still have me as a friend on Facebook. And then I'm getting conservatives that are like, I don't think those numbers are right. And I, and I just, I treated it like Twitter where I didn't really reply to anything. There was a few times that I did, but then it was stuff like um, parents, you know, who are, who are opposed to mask mandates in schools, like, listen up, this isn't about you. This isn't about politics. It's about not letting your child be one of the millions of elementary school children that have died unnecessarily due to their parents' politics, you know, and, and stuff like that. And I'm like, wait, and, I'm, and I'm always putting these hashtags like wear a mask, get vaccinated, uh, you know, and I just kept upping the ante. And there was a few times where people were like commenting back, uh, like, like, what are you do doing? These numbers are, do you have a source for this? There, so that one time a person asked me for a source and I included a link to a CDC article about feline leukemia in Panthers and no one read it. There was one person that read it and they're like, is this the one you meant to send? And I said, why are you wanting more information anyway? Just trust the science, get the booster shot and stop killing people. And they're like, dude, like 
I'm not, what are you talking about? Like, I, I think this is personal choice. And I said, well, your personal choice is killing billions. And, you know, and like, and finally had to message a few people and say, dude, I'm trolling, like, stop, like, please don't delete these because they make, they add legitimacy to this, but this is an experiment, like, don't. And, and I just, I kept upping the ante. One of the last ones, like I did stuff, um, like the science is in, there are zero risks or downsides or negative effects to taking a COVID-19 vaccine. COVID-19 vaccines are the only way to guarantee the prevention of infection or transmission of COVID-19. So do your part, get, get vaccinated and let's end this thing for like things like that. One of the last ones that I did that was just abs, I was like, uh, just take a moment to reflect on the fact that we've lost more, what I say, we've lost more elementary school aged kids to the Delta variant alone than all casualties of both world wars combined. And, you know, and so it's like, these are demonstrably false statements, demonstrably false. Yes. Like, and, and like, they, those are some of the ones, right? People that were conservatives who were like, what are you talking about? Like, this is not true. There's like, no true way. What true. happened? What happened? Yeah. So, so like, and then what I, and then what I did was after doing this for a couple of weeks, I had some friends who I had, I let them in on it. And I said, I need you to start flagging these posts as misinformation to Facebook. Mm -hmm. So they did, they flagged them. It's been a week. Nothing has happened with those posts. I even, this was maybe five days ago, I even made a post myself where I said, hey, I'm really concerned. I'm seeing a lot of misinformation about the COVID-19 and the vaccines on Facebook. Thank God the Facebook fact checkers are catching most of it. But in the event that you stumble upon something that slipped through the cracks, here's a step-by-step -step guide on how to flag misleading or you know mi or, uh, misinformation posts about COVID-19. And right. I literally did four screenshots of like, click here, click this, click this, and then submit. And, and I was like, you know, the outside of getting vaccinated and wearing a mask, this is fighting mis dangerous misinformation is the best thing we can do to defeat COVID-19. And so I'm literally saying, report me, report my posts. Like, right. and I was, and I sent that to link to people. I'm like, here's how you can report some of these posts. You know, if you, cause people, there was one person that got it and commented and was like, where's all the Facebook fact checkers on this? And I was like, this guy gets it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like he, he understands it. Um, but anyway, but they, to, as of right now, they still haven't um, flagged any of those. I'll tell you the, and here was like the best, like fine point on what I did that demonstrates just how screwed this is. Okay. So on my post that was about, there are zero downsides or negative consequences or anything about the COVID-19 vaccine. Right. A friend of mine who, who knew, uh, knew what I was doing, or at least he figured it out. I didn't tell him, but he figured it out like off the bat. Um, and so he, he comments with this little four panel comic and the, his comment of this little comic gets flagged as partly false misinformation with a, with an explanation of why it's misinformation. Hear what those four panels said. So they're all of a guy getting, getting vaccinated and he's talking to the nurse. And the first thing he says is, so this will keep me from catching COVID. Right. And she says, uh, no. And he says, well, I don't have to wear a mask anymore though. Do I? And she says, well, no. Um, or she says, yeah, you do. And then the third one is, well, but I can at least sue the manufacturer if something goes wrong. Right. And she says, no, you can't. 
And the fourth one is him saying, so why am I getting this again? And she says, I don't know. I'm just doing what I'm told. That got flagged as misinformation. None of those things are false. None of those things are false. But my post saying there are literally no de- negative downsides or consequences and that getting vaccinated guarantees the infection, like catching COVID or spreading COVID, which is, all of this demonstrably false. That doesn't get flagged, but the true response does get flagged. Right. So that's, that's like I said, I'm going to do a video about this. Um, I wanted to give it a few more days, you know, just to see if they'll, if they'll fact check it or, or do any of those things. Um, but I'm going to include the screenshots of everything because they're actually kind of hilarious. Um, but, but that's where they're at. That's how this big tech thing works. They will elevate shit like Rolling Stone and Rachel Maddow and no consequences it talk, calling ivermectin horse paste or some shit. Mm-hmm. But I can talk about how COVID has killed more elementary school kids in both world wars. And that's totally fine because it's, it has happens. a conclusion they agree with. So I can be right. Or I can be wrong as long as it's in the approved way. God, you should do a sub stack right up on that. That would be a great sub I don't have a sub stack, man. You, it's, it's pretty easy to start, dude. It's, it would just be a great sub stack article. I would like, I would share the heck out of that. But no, I mean, like, th- but this is like what we're talking about. It's like, you know, I never, when I was on the left, I never worried about tech censorship. Never, never. Didn't yep. even cross my mind. And it's like, I'm not even on the right. And if I post almost anything on Facebook, I'm going to get a tag on it almost anything it could be oh, yeah. literally and it's like you know i and i'm i'm thoroughly convinced truman like i'm i'm convinced we're all gonna get banned on like all big tech platforms at some point i'm gonna lose my twitter i'm gonna lose my facebook i'm gonna lose my oh, youtube yeah. absolutely it's gonna happen it's just a matter of time yeah no i mean it is and that's honestly that's going to be one of the things i'm going to put in that video that i make or if i write something up i'll put in that is like i, I honestly thought about calling it uh dear idiots on facebook you know, because it's like, why are you still on this platform? Yeah. Why are you still on this? Now, for people like us, like, and, I, and Bridget Fennessy has said this before, I've heard other people say, it's like, Twitter is a necessary evil. You have to self-promote. Have to you have to Twitter. use it. And you can engage with other people who are like-minded in a way that you can't in a lot of these other places. And so yeah. there is utility to Twitter. And until we have a viable alternative, like we're going to have to use it. I do think that, and I mean, that's again, like if, whether you're an author or some type of creative, creative or artist or whatever, that's how you get pr- promoted. Like if like all these places, they look and say, what, how's your social media game? How's your Twitter oh. account? You know what I mean? And it so, but that's exactly it. Cause it's, it's not even, sorry to interrupt, but like, it's not even good. that like, that's the place where you do your, prom- like you get the most promotion. It's just that other places look at your follower count. Because I'll, I'll tell you what, Truman, like I track all of my, like I, I used to do marketing. I track what I get from every single social network. I get less than 2% from Twitter. It's not wow. like there's, there's really not that much there, there in terms of like driving people to my other platforms or driving people to my videos or what have you. Um, it, it's less than 2%, but it's like, you have to be on there. Like there's, and it's also, it's where the battleground takes place. It's where all the journalists yep. are. It's where like, it's most journalists are writing their news stories based on stuff It influences they see on policy Twitter. too. It, influences it absolutely policy. influences policy and yeah. Uh, corporate decisions. Yeah, absolutely. It's the only reason to be on that cursed site because it is awful other than that. And I'm going to tell you this too. I like, you know, can, can we talk for a second? And, I, and this is getting a little bit off course, but it's just something I've noticed. Like people on Twitter are getting very, very angry. They're getting very angry and they've all, it's never been good, but at least my experience on Twitter is I think that a lot of people, I mean, maybe it's just because I have a lot of people on the right on my Twitter, but they're spinning each other up and they're getting very, very angry. And it's like, 
you know, Joshua and I were talking about this. It's like, you get on that platform and you're going to war. There is nothing else to do on Twitter except read the news and go to war. And that is it. But like, it's not, it's not like that on locals. Like locals is nice. People are normal. People are chill. But I feel like some of these platforms are specifically like, like people are getting very, very angry and angry people make dumb decisions. And it's really, that's probably one of the things I'm most afraid of is how this addiction to anger and outrage is going to ultimately end up manifesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a theory on that, that I came up with 30 seconds ago, um, which (laughs) is, well, because so one of the things I've been saying is that, and I, and I hate this vernacular and I always give that disclaimer because it's true, but I've been saying this fall is going to be lit. It is because this last summer people were able to largely segregate based on their ideology, right? Like mm-hmm. you could have like the, the mask people on either side of a lot of these issues um, were able to, to largely segregate. And so their, their outrage was often calibrated to the level that they were having to engage with the competing idea. And since that was often digital and not practical, they, it was calibrated to the digital and not practical. It was calibrated to cosplay in a lot of ways, not for everyone, not even for like, I think for a plurality of people, it was calibrated to real life to varying degrees. But my point is, is that, so what I wrote down here, sorry, like I said, I just thought of this 45 seconds ago, but is that since school has started, because the whole reason why I thought fall was going to be lit is that people were going to be forced into share physical space. And competing ideas were going to be forced to vie for the same physical space. There's almost infinite room online for people to occupy digitally. You know, they'll find their corner, they'll find their echo chamber. But it's when you're fighting, fighting for the same physical space that you see a lot of the clashes. And since school has started back up, that's where we're getting these school board meetings. That's where we're getting clashes in parking lots based on mass stuff. There was a thing in, uh, I read, this is weeks ago but how there was a school in Colorado that had the sheriff's department at their school for a week, or they had planned to, I haven't followed up on it, um, for when school started uh, to be there in order to mitigate anything from parents who are opposed to the mask mandates for the kids. And as this stu- as the, vac- the vaccine mandates are occurring for, for parents or for teachers, and you know what, what happens at the places where the parents going to be required to wear a mask? Because then think about sports. Sports is starting fall sports. Right. So people that are you know what happens? They're going to be required to wear a mask or be vaccinated to attend their kid's basketball game or something. Um, we're already seeing some of this stuff with college sports. A guy posted on my locals. Um, he's been great. He's super interesting dude. Uh, he lives in Portland, and he was talking about how he went to a uh, one of the opening game of the season for whatever university it was. that's over there, I guess. I don't really pay attention to that uh, conference, but, and he said at the beginning, most people were in masks. And by the end of the game, 90% of the people had taken them off. And my wife had a relative who posted on Facebook or I don't know where it was, Instagram, maybe about how she, this relative is on the East coast, I think, and how they went to a college football game and how she was super upset that they weren't requiring masks. And we're, and so we're seeing this stuff happening. I know. So where I live, the policy is that even if you're vaccinated, if you're a teacher, if you're a faculty member, you have to wear a mask for kids. It's optional, but there's a lot of social pressure to do it depending on the school. But if you're an administrator or a teacher or whatever, and you're at like, um, the district building or the district home office or something like that, you don't have to wear a mask. Wow. And so there are all of these things. My point is, is that as the inconsistency, as the hypocrisy, and as the 
anger that's naturally generated from these incompatible ideas now being forced to vie for the same physical space. Um, I think that we're going to see more and more of that anger like rising to the surface because before it was people responding to a news story that was understandably infuriating. Now it's them responding to an event. Now it's them responding to why is my kid having to wear a mask? They are not at risk. Or why is my 14 year old who we made the decision for them to get vaccinated? Why are they having to do this? And so I think that that anger that you're noticing is real because people are, are seeing this monster more and more in their personal life and encountering and being inconvenienced or seeing the hypocrisy of it. And I think that there's just, we're going to reach an inflection point in some way. Uh, But I, but does that make sense? I think the anger is calibrated to the, to the frustration Mm -hmm. and, and how they're encountering the how they're encountering it in their no, lives. It, it definitely does make sense. And it actually makes me feel a little bit better, to be honest, that, that, that there's some explanation for this and that I'm not just kind of like seeing things or making things up. But I mean, this is not tenable. Like where we're going no. is not tenable. And we were just talking about this before we um, before we came on the air. But like, you know, I, I, I you know, I've been one of the things I've been talking about on Twitter lately is that, you know, I've, I'm revisiting the whole issue of like critical race theory isn't anti-white because it actually tells, you know, black people, they can't get an ID. They are not yep. very smart. They can't work hard. They can't do all this stuff. If Larry Elder is a white supremacist, that's not actually an anti-white statement. That's an anti-black yep. statement. Um, and, you know, they actually, critical race theory paints white people as the most powerful people in all of society. So. And it maybe- scapegoats whiteness. I think James yeah. has right. It scapegoats whiteness, but that's not the same as it being centered around some right. anti-white thing scapegoat is just the thing you're blaming it's not the central thing no it's not the central thing and it's not even the most important thing like the big bad boogeyman of critical race theory and is um is is capitalism it's not white people it's capitalism that's what they're really attacking um but i've been going down this road of like you know, of talking about this issue again, just because I think it's really important. And, you know, one of the things that I I discovered at one point is that this is language that's specifically being kind of like pushed by really bad people, people that are very angry, that are very disillusioned, that are actually advocating for a white ethno state, very, very bad people. And the one of the greatest fears I have is that it doesn't take, I think this group of people is bigger than people think it is. But it doesn't even take that many people to cause a massive amount of chaos and a massive amount of disruption. In fact, it just takes one person doing something really, really stupid. One guy driving into a crowd in Charlottesville shaped the narrative for the entire Trump presidency. Exactly. It was one guy. It was one guy who did something horrific and stupid and is now the poster child for every Trump supporter ever. And And it's going to happen again. This, com- this community of people, is it's going to happen again. And I'll tell you what, Truman, there's also an awful lot of, so the places that are feeding this ideology, it's coming, you know what, do you want to guess where it's coming from? Because it might not be where you expect. Cartoon Network. It's coming from QAnon. It's coming from... Dude, I don't know shit about QAnon, no, and that's but, largely on purpose. <laughs> no, no, no. And I don't, I don't know much about it either. But, but here, here's what I do know: is that the like people got like I believe the QAnon was a psyop. 
I do. And I think that people got sucked into it. It was completely effective at what it was trying to do, which was to suck people in and to make them do crazy things. So then the government could overreach and grab more power. Right. Um, And so there are an awful lot of people out there that got sucked into QAnon and that were absolutely trust the plan, trust the plan, completely convinced that no matter what happened, Trump was absolutely going to be president. And then, you know, Joe Biden gets inaugurated and then, then it's just like, wait till, wait till March or May or whatever their next thing was. And it was like, you know, because that was the original inauguration day and the U S is a corporation and, you know, Trump is going to be inaugurated on that next original inauguration day. And then that day comes and passes. And then it was wait till June and then it was wait till July and all the these major QAnon dates are coming and passing. Well, what's happening at the same time is that all of these QAnon people who spent years of their lives completely engrossed in this fabrication, this psyop where they were fed information and then went down. I mean, pedophile rings and all this everything. crazy nonsense. Like, yeah. If you look at some of the, the, like, like, I mean, you talk about that, that guy, uh, like the meme of the guy with like the string on the wall and like everything that's literally Q and Charlie Day. Yeah. It's from uh, always sunny. Yeah. I know it's good. But that's literally what QAnon does. Like they have these, all these charts with like these lines and connections and all this stuff, but they've been getting more and more angry and more and more frustrated. And they're starting to feed into these extremist movements that are not only like, you know, really angry at the anti-white nature of what's going on, but they're also frankly, highly anti-Semitic. Like the amount of anti-Semitism I've seen Mm -hmm. in these communities is ridiculous. And so we have- Deb posted some stuff about that recently on Twitter too, about some comments she was getting on her YouTube stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. I am called the Jew all the time. Every single time I mention the anti-white stuff, I'm called the Jew ad nauseum forever. And and people can go and look at my comments if they want to see it. By the way, as if that's a slur. Like what is that? Anyway- Exactly. But that's how, but that's exactly how they're using it. But my point is we have a very like significant, uh, uh, not very significant, significant enough population of people who are extremely angry, disaffected, and frankly, like really detached from reality. And that's vulnerable. They're they're vulnerable. That's, that's another way. Yeah. They're, they're very vulnerable. They're very, they're they're easy to, it is easy to manipulate the worldview of these people if you are doing it within the right way. And um, I think we're going to see someone do something really stupid. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to be catastrophic to be really honest. Well, and what, and what I don't disagree with you in the slightest. And the, one of the issues, there's a couple of things there, and I'm going to use this as a, what I think is going to be a, We'll see if I can stick the landing, but I think this is going to be mm-hmm. a solid transition. But um, for, I mean, so you have not just the issue that someone's probably going to do something, but that we know that it will be embellished to the nth degree yep. and made to be like what we just talked about Charlottesville. It's like, this is every, this is, here's the example. And they, and they always ignore anything that's disconfirmatory. That's why you get like, no one covered the story about the guy in Chicago that shot someone who walked into the store without a mask and self-defense claimed self-defense right. followed him back out and shot him. Now that guy's going to go to jail, but it's like, well, can we talk about what put like, how do you get a person who's that unstable in the first place to even think that's a logical like statement to make or what, you know, what that woman who lost uh, visitation rights for her kid because she was unvaccinated. Um, and so they don't cover those things. They don't cover the crazy shit that happens for the, like on the other side. Like, remember there was that dude that was throwing Molotovs at the ice mm-hmm. place in Colorado and 
sure enough, like they don't, they don't cover that. Like that's, that's not, that can't possibly be representative of anything on this side, you know, but then they'll, they'll use the, and when they do talk about it, they'll quote MLKs, you know, riot is the language of the unheard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they won't give his quotes where he's like, but riots are still wrong. <laughs> right. He does, that's not, a, that's not an approval. It's just a, a statement of fact or an observation that he's made. He has other places, even after he said that, where he's like, yeah, but riots are still wrong, obviously. But, but the problem with what you just described with these frustrated people is that it's the same thing that we see. And I've decided I'm probably going to try and turn this into some like much longer, because I've been writing about this thing for over a year off and on about the frustration aspect is that those people on the radical who are, who are vulnerable uh, to explanations for their frustration exist on the left and the right. I think that's the Antifa types who are like capitalism's to, br- to blame for my student loans. So I'm down with the system. Fuck it. And the same with the people on the right who are vulnerable to this QAnon stuff. They're like, well, it must be the Jews. Fuck it. You know, and it's like just be so I, the Michael Malice. And I think actually Kevin and I are going to include this. We're going to record our next road to surfing thing tonight. But I was like, this quote goes directly into what, what we're going to be talking about is in Malice's book, The New Right, he says, even if the alt-rights, um, if, you, if all of their sol- proposed solutions were wrong, that doesn't invalidate the underlying criticisms that they make. And the point that, that, I, that I make is that also applies to the radical left. Even if you think their underlying solutions are untenable, like Bernie Sanders, all of his solutions are untenable, that doesn't mean his criticisms are wrong. And so there's a very real frustration that is growing mm-hmm. on both the left and right. And that's where you're getting these fringe groups that are able to br- bring in more or at least be appealing to more and more people because there is some seeds of actual frustration. Like if you're a person who's frustrated about the results of the 2020 election or how the news handled it or how the news handled um, Hunter Biden's laptop or anything like that, like you have reason to be mad right. or how, oh, then we get news about the vaccines literally like what was in it like four days after the election you know that that we're gonna have you know what i mean they literally withheld it for a week they twitter facebook all of those places got rid of they literally you couldn't even share the the new york post uh story mm-hmm. about the or the yeah it was a new york post yeah about the um about the the hunter biden's laptop yep. like if you're frustrated about that join the club man me too you know, and so it's like that's a real frustration, but then they become vulnerable to it because they're isolated or whatever to some of these fringe things. And it's the same on the left and the right. So I think it's a very real frustration and we have to figure out how to address that. If we don't, we're not going to be able to actually handle the underlying problem. And I think that's where it gets into what you mentioned earlier with the competing institutions. Competing institutions help to offer competing narratives, competing solutions, competing ideas that aren't extreme, that aren't going to facilitate like ex- like extremism in terms of cre- like creating these batshit echo chambers where mm-hmm. the only solution being offered is it must be Jews or it must be capitalism, which right. actually the, here's talk about you want to talk about uniting the left and the right. That's what the Nazis did. It was lit. They said it's the Jews and the Jews represent capitalism and and they represent the West. And that was how they were able to put the the Jews were the face of their fight against capitalism and the Western imperial powers. And so there's the radical left blame capitalism. There's a radical right blame the Jews. It's like, that's the fucking Nazis agree with you both. Wow. <laughs> but anyway, but and, my point well, is, is we need competing institutions, I think, yeah. to, to help at least well, I, I don't mitigate think some of that. I don't even think it's just about competing institutions. I mean, 
you know, when I kind of got thrust into all of this a year and a half ago, I was very focused on like, how do we create dialogue? How can we just have civil dialogue and like experimenting with that? And what I ended up discovering was quite frankly, like the left was so committed to demonizing anything that Trump supporters ever said ever, that it was impossible to create um, environments at least in the way that I was trying to do it, I, I, I had very limited success with this, where c- civil dialogue could be sustained over the long term when you had both left and right. And it wasn't because of the right. The right was always general, at least the ones that I was witnessing were like curious about like, why do you think like what you do? Like if they were going to ask someone on the left, like they would ask me all the time, like, why did you think this? Like, we don't understand. Like just, they just weren't exposed to the same things I was. But if you were to ask someone on the left, they were not at all convinced in, excuse me, they were not at all interested in understanding the right. They were interested in convincing the right to think like them. And I can't tell you how many emails I got when I started that original Facebook group from people on the left saying, well, you know, they're breaking the rules because they don't agree with me. And I would go and look at the conversation and I would see someone that was trying to force their ideas on someone else and just couldn't handle that they had a different worldview. It was just like, you just disagreed. Like no one was doing anything wrong. You just disagreed. And so um, so I, I, I really became disillusioned with this whole idea of even being able to have these conversations. And then once the election came around and all of the aftermath of the election, it's like, I don't even know if we're in a place where it's possible anymore. And the reason that this is prob- problematic, if you will, is that, um, you know, there's this book by Patrick Lencioni, who I like, I quote all the time because Patrick Lencioni is one of the more accessible, like workplace this trainers. And five coaches. dysfunctions of a team. Five dysfunctions of a team. Yeah. Um, and he's written a lot of other ones too, but um, it's either, I think it's in five dysfunctions where he says, in order to get people to buy into an idea, to buy into a decision, you don't need them to agree with the decision, but you do need to make them feel heard, understood, and considered within the context of that decision. And right now we're in this reality where people on the right do not feel heard, understood, or considered. And in fact, they're told to just shut up and agree. And if you don't, you're a horrible person and you just want to kill everyone, you yep. you idiot, why don't you just take the vaccine, right? And in yep. order to overcome this, the, the only way to overcome this is to help people feel like someone has any interest in listening to them it's not even about agreeing with them it's in just listening to them well yeah and i mean that's where the the competing institutions i think it's like if you see your ideas being taken seriously or your perspectives being taken seriously you're going to feel heard i think through that but i think the other thing that you said there that what that made me think of is you know when you talk about the left versus right thing is that the right often engages with an idea as an idea what they perceive as an idea. They're like, I want to know why you like b- believe that idea. Mm-hmm. Like why, what makes you think that that's a good idea or a valid idea. Right. But the left, the reason why they're not curious quite often is because it's not an idea. It's a belief. Right. And so if, if I, one is, it's not just that, or one, it's not an idea. It's a belief Two, if they think it's a belief on the other person's part, and it's an evil belief that, or it's an immoral belief, they're not curious about it. I'm not curious why someone's a pedophile. I'm not curious why someone's racist or a Nazi or evil in any of the myriad of ways they can be evil. I just am mostly interested in them not being evil. Like that's my first and and foremost goal is it's like, 
if you're an evil piece of shit, like we can do, we can do the understanding part later, but I need you to not be evil right now because evil is a threat. And so I think it's, it's an, it's the idea versus belief thing. And if you believe that you're morally superior and the person you're talking to is immoral or evil, you don't, I, I think you have just given yourself permission to not care. Right. Like you and and to not have to try and understand because why would you? Is there any other realm where something is truly evil that you're like, man, I'm really curious how someone landed on beating their wife? Like, man, I'm just I want to know what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I want you in jail. <laughs> like, I don't care right. what makes you tick. And but I think that's that's the same mentality here that's been conditioned. And I mean, I've talked about this before. I, I mentioned it in that interview with James Lindsay where I'm like, they're they are increasingly adding like this hostility to the other side as an official tenant. Like if you aren't actively shitting on these people, then, then you're a problem like that. Like, and so they're crafting this like rough draft of a new tenant to their like orthodoxy that says these people aren't just evil, but they're evil and a threat and you need to be actively opposed to them. I mean, wasn't it? Um, so Jennifer Rubin, who, <laughs> by the way, this is why I, I honestly think that my Twitter is underrated. Jennifer Rubin, she, she had something where it was, uh, like it was uh, come down on the unvaccinated or something the other day. And she had some other crazy thing that she, she tweeted out. And I was like, I'm pretty sure Jennifer Rubin is the modern media complex's version of like Charlie Sheen in 2011. Just a train wreck of insanity, just unapologetically <laughs> winning crazy you know, that Jennifer Rubin is Charlie Sheen, you know, in whatever that like iteration of it is. Right. But, but you have that and you have there was an opinion piece in um, it wasn't in in uh, the the Washington Washington Post, I think, had an opinion piece that said make unvaccinated people wait at the end of the line. Oh, yeah. I saw in that, hospitals, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, like, like wasn't healthcare a human be- right like a week and a half ago. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that was your <laughs> that was your tweet about. It. Yeah, exactly. And so like. It's, but I mean, I think what I said in response to that was, yes, it is a human right. So all you do is you dehumanize the people that you're moving to the back of the line. So you Mm -hmm. can, you're totally consistent. Well, they're not a human, so they don't have this right. And so, but that's what they're doing. And like, I made threads about this post, like they are working, like continually running the way the left works with their ideas is they're like a child, like who is learning the bounds of human behavior they will keep doing things until they find what the limitations are of that thing. Yes. That's what the left, that was the whole premise of the article that I wrote about the election and what was at stake is that the left needs to find the limits quick, fast, and in a hurry of the crazy shit that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so, and if they, if they win the election, however that happened, then that's going to validate everything they did. So they will just crank up the volume on it. And my point is, is that we, what started as a whisper with the, these unvaccinated people, man, because remember, it was first, it was a pandemic of the unvaccinated, mm-hmm. right? And then it was, oh, well, since it's a pandemic, of the unvaccinated, that's why we have to re-implement these draconian measures. That's why we have to go back to masks and lockdowns and whatever else. It's, and then it's, aren't you pissed off about all these new things? Man, it's, those, it's not the regular people, to quote Alabama's governor. Uh, it's not the regular people. It's the unvaccinated people that are a problem. They're the ones letting us down. You have Don Lemon saying you can't participate in polite society, right? 
you have all Joe Biden says, you're not as smart as I thought you were. If you still won't get vaccinated, like all of these things, Tony Fauci, you know, saying like, okay, look, I get your point about freedom and liberty, but you need to, to take a, you know, just tamp down on that idea and just get with the program and Arnold Schwarzenegger, fuck your freedoms. Right. Yeah. For and, real. Or, and Jennifer Rubin come down on the unvaccinated, like all, like all of the, like you, you don't want to live in a world where the Washington post can post article or print articles about why the uh, literally advocating for medical apartheid with no pushback, they should be able to write that article. But the fact that there's no pushback, they haven't found the limitations of this dehumanizing process yet. Right. It's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. And I don't know what made me think about that, but uh, that's that's what I have to say in response to whatever that made me think about that. It, it's going to get real bad. And I think it's going to get really bad quickly. And the, the problem is that if like we lose the fight on this vaccine passport thing, we're going to lose all future fights. I have oh, yeah. no oh, doubt yeah. we're not, we're, there's no yep. coming back from that. There's none. We're done. Yeah, that was, I, I put a, uh, I did a video in my video. This was months ago when they started, when the masks, when the mask debate came back up, I said, this is a fight worth having mm -hmm. because if you don't have this fight and it's not going to be comfortable because there's going to be people that disagree with you for, for honest and valid reasons, it's not going to be fun with your close relationships that disagree with you. But if you don't have this fight now, it will immediately turn into vaccine mandate. It's, it's going to shift from mass to vaccines mm -hmm. immediately. And that's what happened. And so, and I, and you're hundred percent right. If we don't have, if we don't win this fight and that was what that thread I did on Twitter earlier today was about why the religious exemptions aren't going to hold. I don't think they will hold. Um, the precedent isn't on our side. There is not, there is literally nothing I can find that tells me that these will hold. I mean, they, they in that NBC article that I unpacked, California and a few other states got rid of religious exemptions for vaccines years ago, including for children, including for children. Um, so, yeah, so you're right. And, and that's what, again, in that interview with, with Lindsay, I said the COVID thing to me has shot way ahead of the CRT stuff in terms of urgency. Yeah. You know, because like the CRT stuff, of course, is important. But it, the way it, it's long term, it, exactly. It, it, it does have short term consequences, but it's not like as in your face as, oh, you're a pregnant woman in uh, New York and you want to go to the grocery store. Well, right. better, better get the shot then. Um, that's way more pressing. And so if we, yeah, you're right. If we lose that. And by the way, I think we will lose that. The question is where, because mm -hmm. we have lost it in some places. So it's yeah. just, it's not about winning and losing. It's about, can, can we maintain or can we at least win in some places and allow for, I think as Kevin put it, like a control burn, like it, it's just another iteration of Portland going to hell or LA going to hell or San Francisco going to hell. I think if they are able to institute some sort of um, mandate to have the vaccine in order to travel on public transportation or in order to fly, we are effed. We're at. Well, the, I think and they're they trying. Will. I think they will. Yeah, they've they've talked about how they can do that. There's precedent in other countries. As soon as Australia passed it, because the first vaccine uh, mandate that, if I remember right, was the Australian Airlines. I'm thinking globally. It might have been Israel. I don't know, but. I think th at least at the time, my impression was, is it was an Australian airlines. They were mandating it for intra 
state travel. So to go from one place in Australia to another place, you had to have it. And I'm like, okay, there's precedent. There it is. And then the next precedent was France. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, now it's going to happen over here. And then immediately it was San Francisco and then New York announced it like three hours after San Francisco, something like that. And so, yeah, like they're, they're going to do that. The one, the one hope that I have is that I, I hope that the absolutely insane and untenable, as you put it very accurately and polarizing nature of what this is going to be over the next several months I hope that it, and I think I mentioned this in our last episode, I hope that it shapes the 2022 election in a positive way. Yeah. The 20, the midterms. I hope so. But then of course I always fear that um, Republicans are going to screw things up just because they can. Yeah. I mean, it, but it's a question of, did you, did you a- accidentally point the loaded gun at a person, you know, and, and apologize profusely, or did you point the loaded gun at a person and shoot him in the face? Like <laughs> both of those are mistakes. One of them is way worse than the other, you know, um, I do have a question. I want to ask you about like, uh, kind of on this, I don't know if it's on this topic, but, um, just want to pick your brain a little bit on Afghanistan to, Oh God, sure. Yes. Um, so, you know, what's funny before we get into this is I literally just was on Hunter Avalon's stream like an hour ago. And okay. he like he's he started off with, I think Joe Biden's doing pretty great as president. And I thought the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan was really well done. And I was like, Hunter, have you fallen down and hit your head? I understand you're trying to appeal to this little leftist community because like, he and I normally have like, OK, conversations like we have a good rapport. And like, you know, I mean, I, 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 I feel for the kid on some level. But I was like, what? Like, what? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like one of those kids on TikTok you know, one of those libs of TikTok videos where you have some complete dipshit authoritatively talking about anything. That's exactly <laughs> I'm not saying Hunter was. is that, but I'm just saying like, it's the yeah. same reaction of just like. Like, okay. Like it was, it was almost one of those things where I was like, I'm not even going to get into a debate with you on this because yeah, I think it's yeah. so ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, to yeah. your far more yeah. serious no, point. I get, no, yeah. <laughs> I guess the earth could be flat. I don't know. Um, so okay, yeah, who's fine. to say, who's to say, trust the science. Uh, so, um, <laughs> Yeah. So the Afghanistan thing was interesting because, well, actually, first, let me ask you, I don't want to talk about the thing itself, um, but I want to kind of uh, play around with the coverage of it. Okay. And the way that the, you know, corporate press covered the events, covered the fallout, you know, even just yesterday, I'm seeing stuff about like there was a... um, I don't think it was out magazine, but it was some like gay advocacy thing. I don't know what it was. Some organization was talking about, they were telling stories of at least one dude who's was a gay person in Afghanistan. He's like, Oh, I couldn't get out. So now I'm running for my life because they're, they want to murder me. Um, so we're back to women and, and, you know, forced uh, under, you know, Sharia law and back to gay people being hunted down. So that's lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I want to talk about the coverage and kind of where it stands and just what your overall impression has been of just the way it, it's been covered largely by, by, again, corporate press. So we'll say like, you know, CNN, NPR types, MSNBC. Cause I think there's some interesting questions and interesting observations maybe that we can, that we can glean about it that might have some implications for the future. 
Well, but I, I want to hear like how you kind of processed that whole thing. I know that's a lot, but maybe do you kind of at least understand so, what I'm talking so, about? So this all happened right after we filmed the last podcast, mm-hmm. right? So we haven't yep. even talked about this yet. Okay. So like my initial thought on it was, um, you know, when I first started seeing it unfolding, I was kind of like, well, this is kind of screwed up, but we never should have been there in the first place. Sure. And, and so I was honestly a little bit dismissive of the whole thing because I like my position on Afghanistan has always been since the moment mm. we went into Afghanistan, we shouldn't be there in the first place. Like I was protesting this stuff on the Boston Common in college. You know, I never thought it was a good idea. And then it just went on and on and on and on and on. So I I'm, I'm, was very much in favor of us withdrawing from Afghanistan. Yep. And I always thought that like once we did leave Afghanistan, it was probably going to go right back to where it was to begin with because we never should have been there in the first place and honestly when it was first starting to unfold I was a little bit annoyed at people because I was like the lesson that that at least the right is going to take from this is not that we never should have been there in the first place it's that Joe Biden is a horrible military leader and I was like that is like that that may be true but that is precisely the wrong lesson to learn in this scenario but then as it just kept like unfolding and getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse i was like this is not just an average f up this is like a foobar of epic proportion yep category five. Oh my god it's so bad and you see like that that image of the helicopter next to the image in saigon and then like kamala harris traveling to vietnam right after that is though like like how did they not see that symbolism is it vietnam or cambodia no she went to singapore and vietnam singapore that's right okay okay yeah yeah anyway, yeah but it, it was just like it's 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 so tragic and it's so, I mean, it, it's tragic in a way that's like, like almost like untenable to even think about how disastrous this withdrawal was. And then when you, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent, like a lot of people have made the connection with, oh, the military is doing all this woke stuff and that's what caused them to fail. I'm not 100% convinced that you can draw a direct line. I mean, I think there's some, some loose like connections that are probably be made, but I, I'm not a, a convinced that you can draw a direct line from woke training in the military to the absolute. You could say that anything j- j- just you, yeah. so to put a fine point on that, you could say that anything that distracts from being on mission is going has the potential to compromise the mission. You, you, you know, you could, I, that's the best line that I can draw there. You, you can make that argument. Anything I just that's not the mission could harm the mission. Yes, yeah. I, I do think that that's true. I just think like a very direct line is being drawn with they did woke training and then they had this giant scrub. I think yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't think I don't think there's that direct of a line. I think there are probably many, 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 many things that cause this. But I mean, you know, some of the stuff I heard was that like, you know, Kamala Harris, who of course made a big deal about saying, oh, I was the last one out of the room on Afghanistan, suddenly became non-existent when it comes to anything related to Afghanistan. I heard that she was heard, like they asked her to do a speech on that Sunday night after it all first started. And she was heard screaming, they aren't going to pin this shit on me. And it's like, so it's like, you know, it seems it seems as though it went wrong at literally every single level and you know my I don't watch a lot of the mainstream media so I actually don't know exactly how it's been covered but I do know that CNN turned on Biden and was basically starting to report at least some of the actual realities and you know in a way where where in a way where it almost seems like someone gave them permission to start reporting on these actual realities um so i guess those are my general thoughts so far 
So I'm really glad you said that last part. Um, <laughs> and there are, there are definitely like, I will say what's funny is you talk about the not being there the, or the right will, will take away that Biden's a military leader, not that we shouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to the Daily Wire backstage where they're, this is all they talked about. And it was a huge debate between Ben. And, so Ben and Jeremy Boring were like, maintaining a, mo- a moderate military presence there, you know, like we do in a bunch of other countries is not an endless war. Like we hadn't had a casualty there in like 18 months or something. Um, and, you know, whereas, you know, your best friend, Matt Walsh and Michael Knowles, and I believe Clavin were all like, you know, we should have, we have no business being there. We should re- remove every troop. Like this is so stupid. Like anyway, um, so you have an agreement with Matt Walsh on le- at least one thing. Well, the um, broken clock is right twice a day. So anyway, but so I'm glad you said the last part about CNN because I did <laughs> take a drink every time Truman says I had made a thread on Twitter, which I actually don't make that many threads <laughs> on Twitter, but uh, I did a thread on this because I had a friend message me and said, it seems like CNN is turning on Biden. What's going on? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, this is how, and I want to run this by you, tell you what mm-hmm. my thoughts are here. And let's, you know, for the, the literally everyone who's watching this, uh, who probably didn't read that thread that I made on Twitter. Um, but I think that this is a really amazing example of kind of how the cathedral works. You know, Curtis Yarvin talking about the cathedral mm-hmm. and like the corporate press and all that stuff, like of how it works and how you can see the difference in coverage um, in a few different ways. So one is that, you know, there's like fake news and there's what you do cover and what you don't cover. Right. Mm-hmm. So well, I gave some examples earlier about they're, they're not going to talk about the guy who shot the, the person who wasn't wearing a mask in self-defense, but they'll, they'll embellish or they won't talk about the guy in Colorado throwing Molotovs, but they'll embellish whatever to the nth degree. Right. That right. suits their narrative. Um, so they, and they won't, they'll do a lot of this stuff as it's related to race, but anything that's inconvenient, they, you know, they might not cover it or they'll downplay it or they'll spin it or it'll be incomplete information or something like that. The other thing is there's, there's, it's one thing to suppress facts and to moderate yourself. So I think the, the wording I used was um, like restraint. It's one thing to exercise restraint in delivering facts. Like how much of the story am I actually going to tell? Mm-hmm. It's another thing to exercise restraint in conclusion. And what I said was that I'm, I'm not seeing a lot of restraint in the communication of facts, although there was some restraint there, mm-hmm. but I was seeing and still have, and it's only gotten worse, a monumentally irresponsible amount of restraint when it came to exercising conclusion. Because what you had was them talking about this scenario, because sometimes you get something that you have to talk about. Right. Like they had to cover that, especially because it happened so fast. There was no covering it up, you know? So it was how it wasn't, will we cover this? It was how will we cover this? Okay. And the massive amount of misery, the tragic loss of human life that, you know, and the fact that it's a complete paradigm shift uh, in terms of, or geopolitical shift in what's going on in the middle East is enormous. I mean, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, the Taliban said China is their, best friend when it comes to trade, you know, like, so this is a story that has such implications. You can't ignore it. Like that would be a very deafening silence. Um, and so the question is how, and so what I would say is 
what you had instead was for them to say, this is what happened. Here it is. Look at how, how to focus on the tragedy itself mm-hmm. and to keep their conclusions about blame to the barest bare bone minimum thing. Mm-hmm. And I saw these people saying, well, look, they're covering it. At least they're covering it. I'm like, no, 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 no. That is the minimum standard of competency for something like this. That's like saying, congrats. Wow. My Uber driver has a driver's license. Oh my goodness. Like, right. I, can you believe it guys? I am so excited that my Uber driver has the thing that is most required outside of owning a car to do the job. Like that is not, you know, my dad would say, you don't get gold stars on the calendar for doing what's expected of you. Um, So, but I saw all these people and it was, and honestly, that response in and of itself is telling in terms of how morally and intellectually bankrupt their coverage has been for years that when they actually just give you a, a modicum of information that's appropriate that people were like, wow, this is amazing. Like, that's so great. You know, it's like <laughs> the one time in six years we came home and dad didn't beat me. Like what a great day that was, you know? So anyway, like that's not a celebration. And you dare um, not even but, ask Truman, like what would it have been like if Trump had been in office? That's the conclusion part. God. So look at what, how they took every story and made it about Trump's incompetence, mm-hmm. his instability, his racism, his character flaws, his defects, all of these things. Every story was even ones that made no sense whatsoever were contrived to be about how bad he was at the job and how unfit he was for the job. You don't see any of that with Joe Biden here. Now they will say things like, They'll ask him the, the requisite questions, which it's a whole nother thing. You got him up there at press conferences saying, so they told me I have to call. I was like, who told you? Who gave you a list of reporters to call on? Who is actually running this thing? Like, I know like, that's Scott Adams. Yeah, I think it's a great thing. He's like, no, no, no. Stop saying Biden's not in charge and shift to saying who's in charge. Who's in charge? Make it a question they have to answer instead of just a statement that hangs there. And I think that's absolutely right. It's like, who's giving him lists of questions of who he's going to anyway, but that's a whole nother thing. My point is, is you don't see any conversations of like, how much can we trust Joe Biden's competency? If, if this went this bad, you don't see them comparing him saying this will be nothing like Saigon. Right. And do and you know and doing the, the well, Trump side did. Comparisons. Trump did with that ad. Right. You said that that ad was epic. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um. So, but you don't see they're not doing that. They're not. You don't see any of the those. No, you're never going to see a thing about. Well, the Taliban now has more Blackhawks than 85 percent of the countries on planet Earth. So mm-hmm. that's great. You know, are about like imagine. Okay, here's just one. Here's just one example. Imagine what would happen if Donald Trump gave a, a literal kill list of names of people that helped us to the Taliban. That, they, that would be an impeachable offense. They would oh, yeah. say that's, a, that's, that's negligence of such a high degree that you, you are unfit for office just for that alone. I mean, look at, look at how they treated his, the, uh, his response to uh, Jamal Khashoggi's death. Khashoggi wasn't even a citizen. He was just a green card holder. I'm not saying, I'm not downplaying that, but just his reaction to Khashoggi's, not death, murder. Khashoggi's absolutely murdered by the Saudi Arabian empire is undeniable. And Trump didn't handle it very well, but look at how they handled just that. Right. You know, and imagine if Trump had given a list of, here's everyone that helped us. It's going to get killed. It would be wall to wall coverage 
of the blood is on his hands. They already did that with COVID, but you know, and whatever the, the uh, Bernstein uh, or no, not Bernstein Woodward, Bob Woodward stuff, the blood's on his hands. He downplayed it. it is what it is. Right. The Trump Trump pandemic, he got all these people killed. Like, imagine if he actually did a thing, like right. if he actually gave that list. Of, so my point is, is that to me, it's it was one of the most glaring and um, disgusting displays of media bias that I've seen in a long time. And I think a lot of people, it fell through the cracks for them because they were talking about the thing. Mm-hmm. And if you're on the right you've already filled in the blanks. You're going to go, here's one more example of why Joe Biden sucks. And you're just going to make that connection without them saying it. And so you're going to assume that's part of it. Whereas the people on the left aren't doing that. Those groups that were talking about the gay advocacy groups or the feminist groups aren't saying, why the fuck did we vote for this guy? Women are not going to, they're not in school. All the women aren't going, they were turned away from school. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? They're going back to murdering gay people just for being gay. Are you kidding me? Like, but they're not saying this is Joe Biden's fault. This is the Democrats fault for doing this. Oh, it's they're Trump's not, fault. It's, yeah, exactly. And to the degree that they are talking about blame, they're saying, well, they had a degree. They blamed it on the Afghan military, which is fucking insane. Are you kidding me? That was exactly that was- what Hunter said. He was like, yeah. and he was like, oh, they, they were just executing Trump's plan. And I have this quote from general from this general saying he totally agreed with Trump's plan to withdraw. And I was like, Hunter, agreement with a plan to withdraw. Hunter is not, or Joe? Um, oh, so Hunter I, Avalon. I, I'm, I'm Hunter, talking about yeah, what Hunter yeah, yeah. Avalon was saying. I was I like, you're talking about Hunter Biden. I'm like, whoa, no, whoa, no, whoa. different, different way, different Hunter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but I was like, an agreement with a plan to withdraw is not the same thing as agreement with the execution. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's and also to- that's the only plan of Trump's that they would say that they had to uphold. It's like, why the right. they didn't have, they didn't uphold anything else that he, they put in motion. Like, why would they, right. you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense. But, you know, I was thinking back when you were talking about that, because I remember in college, I went, I went to the college of communication at Boston university. And so there were like a lot of journalism professors and all this stuff there. And I had to take those classes. Um, and so we, we actually, I re, I'm remembering back to a specific, like, I guess, class discussion we had about media bias and how media bias doesn't really exist and all this stuff. And anyone who says it does is lying. This was like a long time ago, but you know, but one of the things that is striking to me is that they never taught in terms of media bias they they always tried to, like the what the left does is they try to position it as you know this is just about you know presenting different perspectives or something like that but what it really is how media bias really works is all the things that they're not saying you have to yep. it's not about what they're including in the broadcast it's about all of the things that they are not including in the broadcast 100%. all of the things yep. that they are not telling you all of the stories that you have no idea that exist and the only reason we know they exist is because of twitter yeah no that, that's exactly right and so that was the first point that i made about the afghanistan thing is is it's like if you think this is like heralds the resurgence of some actual like journalism like you have another thing coming and uh, again my hat goes off to the journalist i think that one gal from cnn i can't remember what her name was who did stick around you know and covered it as as, as it was unfolding like good for her but again the amount of restraint they showed and not it's like me i have been seething seething this the whole time since it started at the people who voted for this. I just have, and I'm not saying that's fair or right. I'm just being honest about the feelings mm-hmm. that I've had. Um, I have I have friends who served overseas. 
one of my friends I was talking to was like, yep. Uh, so I guess that was for nothing. And when I try to talk to my lefty family members about why this is really hurtful and upsetting, uh, all they can say is, is, well, Trump would have done it worse or make it a political instead of just engaging with the fact that I'm upset. And so I've been seething at the people who, who, fuck, who voted this in. I've been absolutely frustrated with it. Um, but the, but the, that comes as a natural result of just like you said, like knowing like what's, it, what's going on, see, like seeing the bias for what it is. Mm-hmm. And the people on the left have been blissfully like they're not making the connection they will they will swallow whatever flimsy excuse they're given like yeah i guess it was the afghan military's fault yeah they did have to they really did have to adhere to that trump thing Mm -hmm. did they did they have to give away all this equipment too? night vision goggles and also like and so that's the first thing but the other part that i noticed and why i thought that there there's another possible explanation or factor there and you kind of alluded to it is the fact that they know, I think that they know, and I will, you know, Scott Adams says, make predictions to test your hypothesis. I don't think Joe Biden's going to make it to the 2024 election. I don't think he will. I, I think that's I don't think he will undeniable. Either. So they have to tee up Kamala Harris in some way, but they can't do it before 2022 because that'll be really destabilizing. And that will be the thing yeah. that 2022 is about. So they can't do that, but they can start sowing the seeds. And one of the ways they've done that is, Guess who has been conspicuously missing from any of the conversations about this? Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Guess who's been conspicuously missing from any conversation about the border? Do you remember there was that whole thing? It was like Biden taps Harris to go deal with the border. And then it's like, no, this shit only got Never worse. goes. Yeah. And then, well, yeah. And then it's like, well, I guess we're not going to talk about the fact that she was in charge of that. Um, I guess that's just not a thing. They have been so active. There was a... <laughs> Is trending today. Uh, there was a piece on is I think it was CNN or NBC. I think it was CNN about how Melania Trump has been, you know, really missing in action for, since the election, and we haven't really seen much of Melania and what's going on there. And it's like we haven't seen much of Kamala Harris either, guys. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen much of Kamala Harris. I wonder why that is. So yeah. she has plausible deniability, and she's distanced. Like there's very few politicians in modern history that are more unlikable than Kamala Harris. Yeah. Right. And so it's like they have to make it where no one associates her. This was the conclusion of that Twitter thread. And I want your feedback on this, please, um, is that they have to make it where there is a huge amount of distance between our recollection of her. Right. And when she needs to be in the spotlight, because no one wanted her in the election. Right? right. No one wanted her as vice president. No one was excited about her in the primaries. Yep. She didn't even she didn't even make it to the primary. Right? The first one she mismanaged her campaign so badly, didn't even make the first one. Well, and also she's terrible. You know what I mean? But like and so but my point is, is that they have to make it where all people that people forget about that, that she's not associated with any of these fuck ups mm-hmm. so that whenever because Bi- Biden will step down, he's they're not going to do people are talking about like the, you know, revoking was it no, the 24th he'll amendment step or 25th down nobly and they'll announce he has dementia yeah, or exactly and like so that that's what that's what they'll do and but they need to make it where she's not associated with any of this stuff and the irony is is that her campaign and my this is my theory will or they're getting the left to accept her will literally be the exact same thesis as getting them to accept joe biden mm-hmm. better than the other guy right Nothing in recent memory that you have that's that's a big mistake or, you know, there's nothing that you can think of. And and they'll and they'll start. I think that they will simultaneously start kind of propping her up 
around 2022. Uh, and I think 2020, the end of 2022, or sorry, the beginning of 2023, middle of 2023 is when we're going to see them really start to proper up. That's my prediction. But, but I think that's part of it is that they need it to be that, that Joe Biden is so untenable and that they've been dehumanizing, you know, the right as, you know, insurrectionists and disease spreading, you know, all these things, grandma killers and racists that it's just Kamala Harris is just like, it make, it just makes sense. It's the only play that they have. It's the only, it's literally the only play they have. That's my thought on, on all that, on both the coverage of Afghanistan and the implications of it for for the future i don't know is that, what do you think is um, that- so generally yeah. i i generally i agree i will say that i don't think i don't think they saw this coming i think no, i don't think so i, I think no, that this was a complete so and total kind of like surprise to them and so it's like if, if we're talking yeah, about a plan to prop up kamala harris I, I i do agree with you that i think that they were going to plan to do that at some point i minimally do not think that biden was going to run for a second term but i've also heard enough about like the animosity between their two teams like joe biden's team is not playing well with kamala harris's team and vice versa right now like there is a I lot heard of about like, that tell, tell oh, me about that no it's just like so there's just been like these rumors and jack basobic has been the one that's been talking publicly the most but i've also heard just like private things where basically like like Kamala frankly is kind of pissed at them I guess Kamala's team is like pissed at Biden's team because Biden's team I guess is like I mean he is the president so they are trying to like take the upper hand but Kamala's team wants to play things a certain way and then Biden's team makes them play it a different way and it's just been like they they have not been working well together and you'll notice too like Kamala Harris who was always always universally always standing behind Biden in any public appearance that she, that they did. They made it this, this, um, uh, they made it a point to say, this is the Biden Harris administration. Kamala Harris was always mm. there except yep. for the press conferences around Afghanistan. She was nowhere to be found. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. D- distancing, distancing her. Whoever's d- running this thing is, is, is all that's on purpose. Is there like, yeah, we don't want her to be associated with this at all. No. And so I do think that they are going to make moves to prop her up. I, I, I think that this whole thing, though, I don't think this thing was like part of the plan. I think they're now having to adapt no. the plan. Um, but I do I don't agree think it was with part you. of the plan. Yeah, I do. I think agree. it helps their plan, though. I do agree with you, though, that I do think it'll come after the 2022 midterms. And yeah. I think, you know, I mean, to be honest, like if we want Biden or the Democrats more generally, whoever might be president to lose in 2024, this is like best case scenario, to be honest. Kamala is an absolutely terrible, mind bogglingly bad candidate that no one likes. And I, I do think it's I, I do think it's kind of sad, just like as a woman, I would really like to see a woman president like that'd be pretty cool but not her. And she's going to get elevated to this position and be the first unelected woman president. And then I, I strongly believe in 2020. They got no she, votes in the primaries or in the general. Yeah. Not just that, who, who got no votes. Got no votes. And she's going to get it handed to her in 2024. And I actually think that that is a really sad thing to have to, to anticipate that the first woman to be president, even though not elected at all by any stretch, is going to get her ass absolutely handed to her when she actually tries to run. That to me is actually a really sad thing. But I think in terms of like the direction that we want things to go in, I think it's a good thing 
because there's no one else the Democrats can run. And so, I mean, what I anticipate is what's going to start to happen. I mean, well, I think that Trump's probably going to run. I, I, I was at, I've been hearing enough rumblings that Trump is going to run. I've been hearing people say that they, they anticipate the announcement at any moment. But what normally happens in New Hampshire is like two years prior to the election, the candidates start showing up. And they start like making the rounds at all the little New Hampshire things. And so, I mean, we're going to know pretty quickly who's who's going to be engaging in the campaign. But it'll be interesting to see. I do. I think it'll be interesting to see if anyone steps up to run against Trump and if anyone steps up in the Democrat role, too, because if because they all know what's going on behind the scenes. Right. So is is there going to be some Democrat that's like, this is going to go horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. And we should probably have an alternate candidate just in case it does. I mean, could it be even the case, Truman, that the Democrats even find Kamala Harris? Check out this potential reality. Okay. Kamala Harris gets elevated to the presidency and polls so badly that even the Democratic Party cannot see way to supporting the first woman president that they installed as a viable candidate in 2024. That's a, that's, that, a, that's a reality that could happen. If they did that, they would, they would, um, what they would have to do is, is she would have to like have some statement of since I got no votes, you know, it's only It's only right for the people. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this for the people or something. Yeah. And and they'd have you know, to get away like she'd have to have like an accident or something like or come down with some horrible disease or something like that to get her out of that race but i it could it could potentially happen that there's just like a rogue democratic candidate that comes in in 2024 if they're smart that's what they do oh yeah well here's the thought that i just had you were talking about um saying that you thought trump was going to run um how perfect would it be for him to if he was going to announce that or whoever is just just take a second to realize the progression of of the state of the union addresses we're going to have of just like the how we're going to be able to compare like joe biden giving the state of the union like on a year-by-year -year basis to trump well yeah not just to trump but to watch him get worse and worse i mean he's already worse oh, than yes. he was a year ago on the campaign trail mm -hmm. right and and on the campaign there was videos of him where it's like he was worse a year before that point, you know, and where you can look, you can compare interviews where it's like the decline and these things are exponential, you know? And so like, how amazing would it be where it's like after that first state of the union, you know, Trump gets out there and is like, I don't know if you saw what I just saw, but uh, that's a disaster and we can't have that. Uh, this, I mean, really It'd the reality the best, is if you, wanna get, if you wanna get back, look at, um, oh shit, man. Uh, I, if you wanna look at, you're talking about worst case scenario. And here's where I look, you talk about what the news isn't saying, right? right. We are nine, eight months, nine months into this. Mm -hmm. And we have the border is the worst it's been in decades. Gas prices highest in decades, inflation highest in decades. This Afghanistan thing. It's like all, honestly, I'm feeling a lot of empathy for the delusion that a lot of the people on the left had under Trump, because there was all these nothing burger uh, controversies and scandals and crisis or crises mm -hmm. that they were always like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe you voted for this. And they were, except for they were actual, there were nothing almost every single time. There were nothing. Right. And it's like, now I'm having, I'm feeling the same way. I'm mm -hmm. like, I can't believe this is happening. But like, honestly, I think one of the things that makes it not in our favor is it's at the beginning.
people have short memory spans, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, I agree. That's, and that's what I said to people when they were saying, like, this is going to be the end of Biden's presidency. I'm like, we're not even a full year into Biden. Like, this is going to like they're going to forget this in like three months. This is going to oh, be yeah. like it never happened. But yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I kind of I kind of am enjoying the idea of Trump running again, to be honest, like because we're going to get. Here, and, and I agree with you about Trump coming on and doing like a response video too. I think Trump did a response to like one of Biden's things. And I was like, what oh, yeah. if Trump, every time Biden gave a public address, Trump just comes out and does his version of it. Trump was looking super presidential. He oh, was yeah. looking much more presidential than Biden. Trump's been losing weight. He looks yep. good. He's ready to go. I think Someone posted a picture yesterday. They're like, how come he, he how come, was it, was it Jack Persoba who was like, why does he look younger? Why is yeah. he getting younger? It was a yeah. picture of Trump. And I think it's what you said. He's lost weight. And but he was like smiling. And it's like, the dude looks good. You he know? had a vacation. He's doing good. Like, yeah. so, I mean, I think, I think two years of Trump campaigning, I hope he announces at some point soon, or maybe like he'll do it after the midterms, like whatever, but we're going to get to live through another couple of years of Trump campaigning. It's going to be great. There's going to be lots of trolls. Um, I'm looking, I'm personally looking forward to that as like a, a light in, in all of this darkness. At least we'll be entertained. We might be going to hell in a handbasket, but at least we're going to be entertained. Well, and here's the other benefit to that, by the way, for the people that are like the Ron DeSantis stands that don't want that to happen. Yeah. Here's why that's actually a good thing. If Trump ran this time around, is that if Ron DeSantis did run, uh, it would be in such close proximity to all the crazy shit that they've been trying to pin on about Florida. Yeah. That Trump running puts literally like seven years between if Ron DeSantis wanted to do it next time around, it puts yeah. a long time between DeSantis and that's, I'm not even saying that that's a scandal, this, that Florida is a scandal, but they'll make it into that. And well, so it, it helps take the heat off of Ron DeSantis so that he can continue to build up, you know, support and work on that resume and showing what the good thing about these governors, by the way, is that as time, so we have an asymmetrical relationship with time. I just finished Nassim Taleb's book, Skin in the Game. And he talked about how the ultimate like fact checker is time. Like the ultimate like verifier of anything mm -hmm. is time. Time is what determines the, mm -hmm. my daughter's having a good time out there. Um, and what determines the, how, whether something works or not is always time. Right. And so like the longer time progresses, as the, the blue strongholds, those metropolitan hive minds, whether it's the cities or the states like Portland or California or whatever, and the worse they get, the longer we're going to have a test case of how different it is when those places are governed, you know, with such radically different policies. So time is a big friend for Ron DeSantis if he keeps governing well, mm -hmm. right? Because you'll be able to contrast Here's what it's like. So, you know, you say he, he runs again and wins re-election, right? Um, here's what it's like. Here's what happened in Florida under Ron DeSantis, again, assuming he does well. And here's what it's been like in these other states. I just, I guess my point is, is as we continue to segregate, the effects of bad policy will or good policy, respectively, will continue to compound mm -hmm. and be evident and will be useful in showing how completely fucked <laughs> Democrat often, at least right now, the modern iteration of Democrat, like the prevailing Democrat policies are. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. And you know, what I've heard is, so did you know that Trump changed his uh, residency from Florida to New Jersey? Oh yeah. That was a while ago and people were theorizing yeah. that was so that uh, DeSantis could run, right? Because... That could be so because DeSantis could run as VP. Yeah. Oh, yeah. as VP. As VP. 
because they don't want the president and the VP to be from the same state. Now, that's an interesting theory. That's a really interesting. I had I had not even ever considered that as a thing. Mm -hmm. Huh. What do you think about that? What's, what's I think, your take? I think I think it'd be a killer ticket, man. I don't want Pence back on that ticket because, um, you know, I, I never liked Pence, to be honest. Yeah, he stepped up in the VP debate, but like Pence is just like he's way too conservative for me. I think it'd be a great ticket. I think people are really excited about Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is like a, like he's doing a good job. He's standing up to people. He's based. I think it'd be like the perfect VP for Trump, to be honest. I don't think it's gonna. It can't be Christy Nome. Christy Nome has dug herself into a ditch that she ain't getting out of. She's way too rhino at this point. Like who else? Who else could it be? It's not gonna be Pence. Pence would be in. Like, can you imagine the outcry from Trump's base if it was Pence? I don't know if that's. I don't. I don't. Do they not like him? Is oh Mike no, because they feel they feel he betrayed Trump in the whole election thing. That's that's right. Yep. Yeah. Um. The only person I could think of would be Ted Cruz, but I don't think he's going to do it for a while. And here's why yeah. is that they, they need the Senator and, and Ted Cruz did not beat dipshit Beto O'Rourke by that much. I mean, he yeah. did beat it. But, so I think that they would not risk te Texas, like losing that Senator mm -hmm. seat. And Ted Cruz has only gotten cooler and more popular. Like, I don't, I think after the election, I said, Whatever update they did on Ted Ted Cruz's operating system was really good because I like this version a lot better than the one in the election. I, I think like he realized he was stodgy and unlikable in the election. He was like a robot lizard or something, man. Or but, that, or he just ran out of Fs to give, you know? Maybe. I Which think that's conceivably part of it could have happened. Like, like he was broken by the whole affair. I'd like to see Rand Paul. I think Paul that run. he got disillusioned. Oh, go ahead. I think he got oh Rand Paul. Yeah, Rand Paul would be good. Um but yeah, I don't know, dude. I think that that Ron DeSantis theory is really interesting. Man, and they clearly don't care. I don't think the right cares about the intersectional shit. So no. it's like, yeah, we'll run two white guys. We don't give a shit. Like it's, yeah. you know, and, and mo most people on the right don't care about that. So, In fact, like, wouldn't that be the perfect kind of symmetry if the two old white guys beat Kamala Harris and whatever, whatever intersectional woman? Because you know Kamala Harris would be like, okay, let's theorize about this. Who would Kamala Harris pick as her VP? Because I think it's going to be a woman. And you think it'd be a woman, not someone like Pete Buttigieg or some, no. some shit? Well, okay, uh, so a, a woman of color and a gay dude, like that's like the ultimate. Although they did say he wasn't gay enough, they said that because yes. he, he didn't like I walk mean, around in assless chaps, then he didn't, he wasn't politically gay or it whatever. Could, it could certainly be Buttigieg, but like from what I've heard, basically her entire staff are like women. And so, and I think that they would like the symbolism of like the all woman, like president and VP and all this stuff. And I don't, I don't know. think they do that. Democrat dudes would not show up for that. I don't think that matters. I think that. At the end of the day, they still want to win. And I think that they know that that is. But if the, if the, if the alternative is Trump and DeSantis. I still you think, think they you wouldn't. think that they think that their base isn't going to plug their nose and vote for Kamala Harris. Okay, well, let's just let's leave it back. Up. Let's not even think about the campaign. Like, like, because if she gets elevated to the presidency, she gets to choose her VP. It's not like Nancy Pelosi yeah, just uh, gets elevated to the role. Who do you think it's going to be? You think it's going to be Buttigieg? No, I'm just saying, like, I don't think it's going to be a woman. I don't know what dude it would be, but I don't think it's going to be a woman that there. I'm just like, whatever reasons that they in the plus column from why they think that might be a good idea. I'm just telling you that like that most dudes are not going to be like, 
okay, d- double, no chance of a, like, okay, of a, of a woman or no chance of a guy even being part of that decision. Like, I think one of the things that Did makes- you see Gavin Newsom's speech the other day where he was like, women are the best. They're much better at politics than men. He did this whole thing about how great women are. And it was like- No, you have, but I heard like, Kamala Harris was campaigning for him or something. It's like, how's that going to work out for if you? you? If you watch this thing, you have to watch it with the sound off first just to see how extreme Gavin Newsom's mannerisms are and how much he looks like a used car salesman. Because it's like so much better with the sound off. He looks exactly like a used car salesman. And then you turn it on. He's like, women are so much better at politics than men. <laughs> so so let's make some, let's make some predictions here then. All right. So I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe within the next week or two, we have the recall of Newsom and the prime minister election in Canada. Oh, right. Yeah. Both of those are within the next. I think one of them is the 11th or 12th. I can't remember when, but I'm, I know that both of them are within the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is going to, what do you think is going to happen in either of those? Um, I don't have as much insight into Canada. I really hope Trudeau loses though, man. Trudeau deserves to lose. Canada is insane. Canada is probably like second most insane to Australia right now. Well, maybe not. Think Claire Lehman's in there. tweets about, about how Americans don't know what they're talking about, man. You want to talk about someone who I like, I really used to like Claire a lot and she still does have some really good observations, but she's kind of like Sam Harris in a lot of ways. And that just so completely off the reservation in some of these other things that it's like, I just can't man. Like, what are you even talking about? I just want to say that I feel like I identified that Claire was a psycho early on (laughs) and, and I was, I'm very thrilled to be blocked by her on Twitter. I was blocked by, by her for defending James Lindsay's honor. I basically like after she went after Lindsay that like one of the times and she was like really denouncing him for something. I basically I tweeted something like if Claire Lehman ever gets James Lindsay booted off this site, I will come after her with the fury of a thousand sons to defend his honor. And she blocked me over that. (laughs) Over that. Over that. I was like, Claire, you know, it's true. You know, you're going to try to get Lindsay banned. And um, because she was denouncing him like hardcore. Anyway, I feel like I identified Claire Lehman as a psycho early on. And I was right. I won't say she's a psycho. I don't want to do that. I just think that she's someone who has some really bad ideas. But anyway, maybe a little bit hyperbolic, but she's not my favorite person in the world. And, you know, and I and agree with Tim Pool yesterday too, Treeman, where she told she, she told Tim Pool off on Twitter. And I was like, God damn, Claire Lehman is simultaneously both right and wrong. She wrote a four sentence or not four sentence, a four word tweet that was like, you know, I, I think all she said was like, you're such a tool. And I was like, she's correct, but she's also not correct in this context because Tim Pool is absolutely right. And she's making me agree with Tim Pool. I don't, I don't have any personal beef with Tim Pool, <laughs> but that is it's still a funny situation. Um, yeah. But what you were saying about Canada that, yeah, they're, they're getting as bad as Australia. I mean, that was the, the, the Australia thing is mind blowing to me, by the way, that was a few of my Facebook post experiments were about, I was like, <laughs> uh, conservative. Cons- oh, one of them, I forgot. One of my posts was literally about, uh, I called the human immune system, a conspiracy theory and a, a, a conservative right-wing conspiracy theory. Oh, and that if you, my if you God. think that, that there's some magical antibodies that you get from, recovering from COVID-19, uh, then you need to wake up and join the rest of the world in reality. And that the only way you could get any type of antibody protection was from getting vaccinated. Like, 
these are they were so bad shit carlin i'm serious anyway but canada i mean it wasn't it it was um oh my gosh uh Quebec not Quebec it was uh it was another one maybe maybe British Columbia I don't know it's all the same I know it wasn't Saskatchewan how about that but uh but they were they had it where the police could pull you over randomly just to ask you why you were out yeah. you know during the lockdowns and stuff but okay so you don't know if Trudeau will win and by the way I my really feelings on those doesn't. are it's like if you I this I said this during the 2020 election and that's how I feel now I'm like if you want to vote for these lunatics, you're going to, you know, you're going to get what you deserve and get it good and hard. Mm-hmm. It's just that whenever I get, I feel the brunt of that. Like I don't live in Portland, so I don't have to worry about the consequences of being under Ted Wheeler. Yeah. Right. But I am under Joe Biden right now. I didn't vote for this shit. Like, you know, they're mm-hmm. pissing in my pool now. Um, okay. So, so you're not really calibrated to Canada. That's fine. I'm, I don't really have a pulse on it either. I'm just, I'm here. I'm just following it. I want to know, but yeah. Um, because it's not, it's not a, it's not a coincidence that Brexit and Trump happen around the same time. Right. Right. So these things, there is a a connectivity here, but okay. So, so Newsom in California, I think Newsom's going to win. I do. I've been saying for weeks now, I think Newsom's going to win because I think they're going to cheat. And I don't and that's just like my suspicion. I've heard way too much about shenanigans going on in California. I also think the Republicans are screwing themselves yet again, because I keep hearing that they're not spending any money in California the, in terms of like the GOP. I'm not saying Larry Elder isn't and like the people running because obviously like he's doing fundraising, he's doing his own thing. Sure. But I have heard repeatedly that the GOP is not spending any money in California because they're putting it all towards 2022 because they if feel so overconfident. They feel so overconfident confident that this is just like a, a foregone conclusion oh they think like, elder's gonna win so they're they, not worried about they, it yeah they're mm-hmm. not worried about it and they convinced him to run the gop specifically asked larry elder to run because they didn't mm. feel like they had any other candidates and i think i think they would have been smart to support caitlin jenner I, that was stupid or at it least seemed like caitlin be... jenner didn't want to didn't want to do it actually so i mean who, who well knows? i mean who, who knows I, I i think in terms of like red pilling people it would have been i think in terms of the culture war Caitlyn Jenner would absolutely have been the smartest dang play they could have ever made oh, because yeah. it would have broken oh, yeah. everyone's brain. It would have woken so many people up to how they would have like, been able nonsense. to handle it. Yeah, exactly. if you had the if you had like Donald Trump and and like any prominent conservative person out there saying get vote for Caitlyn Jenner, get Caitlyn Jenner mm-hmm. in there for governor, they the left would know how to handle it. Exactly. They would not build. They wouldn't like you said. It would break their brains. But I think, but, the, but the GOP doesn't think like that, and so right. they have Larry Elder. Larry Elder seems to be doing really well, but I think Gavin Newsom's going to win. I do. I think he's going to win, and I think you're right because it's like the, the the thing is is what I've heard a lot of conservatives say is that no one's going to show up. No one's going to show up to vote for Gavin Newsom. That's true, but ballot harvesting is legal in they California. Don't have- so they don't have to show up. And the fact that I haven't now given, I haven't really been listening to any conservative media lately. Mm-hmm. I have some off and on w- about the Afghanistan stuff, but like, I just don't listen to Ben Shapiro anymore or anything like yeah. that. Like I do, if there's a story that it's like, I kind of want to know what the mainstream conservative take is going to be on this. Um, so maybe they have talked about this, but like the little bit that I have seen, cause I still follow them on Twitter. A little bit that I have seen any of like those types of people talk about is that it's that they'll use that wording. No one's going to show up for Gavin Newsom. And it's like, you know, that they don't have to yeah. like, it's not, I don't think now I could be wrong, 
but ballot harvesting is in all elections, right? It's not just like presidential ones. They can do it right. in all of them, right? They, they have found so, they found like 300 ballots in this one guy's car. For this one? For this yes, upcoming one? for California. Yeah. Wasn't there one where there was women that were pulling uh, ballots out of that got caught on? Yes. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so so I think it was Kevin, uh, engineering politics. Uh, Kevin, he told me that the way what they found was that the envelope, the way they had the envelope formatted was that you could see you could through see it to see who they voted for on the envelope. Mm-hmm. So you could just conveniently lose that on like. And they, I don't know. I mean, I I said, dude, is that still the case? Did they push back on it? He's like, I don't know. So I don't know what happened with that. They have this thing uh, where you can print your ballot from home, and they claim that there's like a, it's like an individualized thing. I don't believe it for one red flip. You can print your ballot at home, and one of the conditions, Truman, one of the conditions you have to meet in order to print your ballot at home is having been impacted by COVID nineteen. If you have been impacted by COVID nineteen in the state of California, you can print your ballot at home. They're going to cheat. There is no way that they are not going to cheat. And I think that the Repu- the GOP, again, they haven't done a dang thing because they learned nothing. They learned nothing from the election. Have they filed any election integrity challenges at all? Because one of the things that we learned from the election is that they needed to file the challenges before for them to have any hope of being heard anywhere because when they filed the challenges afterwards and i think the supreme court made a stupid decision when texas and all like 20 other states sued all of the other states that was a bad decision by the supreme court but the rest of the states they should have filed before the election have the gop done a dang thing in california no yep yeah it's just like, yes. and it's like, and it's like so predictable. This is like never underestimate the GOP's ability to screw things up because they don't take it seriously and they don't learn. You know, I had a, fr- a friend of mine, um, he made this analogy to me. I was talking to him about, you know, kind of like all this stuff. And he's like, Carlin, the GOP, the Republicans, they're like dogs. They exist in the present moment. All they can handle mm. is the present moment. They can't go back. They can't see long-term. All they can do is react to what is going on in the present moment. And that's, that's really all you should expect of them because they are not capable of doing this long-term. Like they, they're not, they are not capable of playing chess. They're at very best playing checkers. Yep. Yeah. That's an interesting. Yeah. Cause that, that's a statement about, what we would maybe call American conservative governance. Mm -hmm. Generally, that's the thing that I talked about where it's like they they'll compromise at five when the left wants 10. And then the next iteration is compromised at 10, you know, when the left wants 15. And and so, yeah, the whole uh, progressivism driving the speed limit, because that's that's what ends up happening. If you only live in the now, you're like, well, yeah, this will compromise here. Like the way they did on this fucking infrastructure bill, three and a half trillion. After all the other spending, have you seen the shit that's in that thing? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, be obstructionist. Be obstructionist. Don't don't agree to any of it. Mm -hmm. I think honestly, though, and I think this is where there's an asymmetry between psychos and non psychos is that like they knew that if they didn't agree on some part of it, mm-hmm. then the Democrats were going to shove it through with budget budget reconciliation, which is of course crazy horseshit. And they knew that they would have no say in it whatsoever. The Democrats would just force through whatever insanity they want. I think I think that was the calculus, mm-hmm. but I still think you have to to fight it and 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 force them to do the crazy thing. Right. I do. 
I agree. They should be putting up, putting up. I mean, and where have they been on any of the tech censorship stuff? I mean, to be honest, because they were all talking a big game about this before the election. And I understand the GOP doesn't have power right now, but they could at least make a statement. They could at least try. They could do something. Have you read uh, Woke Inc.? by um Vivek I've, I've read parts of it yeah I got an advanced copy of it at some point it's really good it's really yeah. good he has a whole section on tech censorship and stuff on Facebook and Twitter and stuff it's good. it's a fantastic book but he talks about what made me think of think of it is um he talks about them like Jack Dorsey and Mark Mark Zuckerberg being brought before Congress to just blow smoke up people's asses and you know mm-hmm. and nothing happens and it's all ridiculous um Anyway, all right, man, what do you want? What do you want? How do you want to end it? Um, I think? guess, you know, I mean, maybe kind of like a current status check. Where, where are we now on a on a scale of like doom and gloom to like everything is great? Hmm. And does that That's sound good. like a good ending? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You want to okay. go first? You want me to? Yeah. So I'll go first. So let's let's treat it like one is doom and gloom and 10. Everything is great. Um, okay. I don't know. I think I'm about a five right now. I had, I was like, really? I think she's going to say five. <laughs> because like I do, I, you know, listen, there is an entertainment value to all of this that I just can't deny. <laughs> okay. It's like, and in some respects, because I, I guess I'm probably, because I spend so much time at my house now, I like never even leave my house anymore. I feel like I'm watching the world implode on TV and maybe it's like a movie and the crazy like mastermind Trump is about to come in and run for president again. And that's going to be like thoroughly entertaining. So I, I have an appreciation for that. But on the other hand, I honestly, like, I feel like things are going to get a lot worse. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to get worse and I think it's going to get bad. And I think people are going to get very angry and, um, and that's not good. And I think that particularly for people who are in the cities, it's going to get bad. I think you and I are going to be fine. Like you're in Wyoming, I'm in New Hampshire. Like we, we are going to be fine. Like, like the bear, like the lat, you know, at least we can retreat back to, you know, our, you know, your conservative, my kind of like libertarian, like free state. And, you know, but I think yeah, I live in the mountains. I'm not worried about, yeah. about Antifa. No, it's not. No. And I, and I, and I'm not worried about it either, but like, you know, I think that, we're pretty insulated, but I think people are in the cities are going to have a really hard time of it. And my, I, I hope that at some point, I do think that it is fertile ground to start waking people up to what's going on. But at the same time, you know, Trump running for president again is going to send everyone back to their collective corners. And it's just going to start, it's going to be like 2020 for two, the next two years probably even amped up urgency on like the left side because they know they're screwing up so badly. So I don't know. It's probably going to be a day-to-day thing. Some days are going to be good. Some days are going to be bad, but I'm going to try to find as much humor as I can in the situation. How many more votes did Trump gain between 2016 and 2020? Like 10 million or something. Yeah. I, I think that if he ran again, there's also that factor of the people who are going to go. I think I had previously held the belief that anyone who still is not like awake on this stuff um, probably won't be. And I think my paradigm was wrong. My paradigm was anyone who doesn't see everything that people like you and I see when that's not the, the requirement, the requirement is, do you see enough to realize the, what matters in that moment, you know? Right. And so anyway, so that was just my thought based on what you said about him running. Cause I think, 
because in other words, I think, I don't think everyone will run back to their respective corners. If he, if he runs again, Hmm. I think that there will be a lot of Democrats who will look at 2016 to 2020 and 2020 to 2024 and go, yep, yep. That sucks. That was really bad. Um, I remember being upset a lot during Trump's presidency, but I don't remember being monetarily impacted, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm now on my ninth booster shot and I'm still having to wear a mask. And, a- uh, and I, <laughs> you ahead. know, well, I was just saying, and I think those people are going to go there. There's something not working here. That's a really good point. And we didn't really talk about that. I think the more booster shots that people are required, like I've already seen like the, 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 the initial booster coming out and, and I've asked some of my friends that maybe are like on the left or maybe, you know, curious, I guess I've been, I've been like, are you getting that booster shot? They're like, oh, no. Yeah, like, no. I got two. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting this. Yeah. And I don't know if this is official, but there are people saying that in Israel that they were considering the people who didn't have the booster shot unvaccinated. Yes. But, they, but it's like an extra booster shot now. Israel, I think, is on four. I don't know if that's I could true be wrong. I could be wrong. It's definitely the third they're considering unvaccinated. But did you also hear that Pfizer is apparently like experimenting working on a pill. with it, working on a pill that you have to take twice a day? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like uh, F- Pfizer Mectin. That, yeah. that was what James Lindsay called it. He's like oh, the super duper patented Pfizer Mectin. Like, okay. Um, so yeah, I think that I had. I think I had I had thought that we had reached such a saturation point of red pill moments that the odds of people of there being anyone left capable of being red pilled were really low. I thought I think I even mentioned it in a previous conversation where I said I thought it was less than five percent of the population. I think I'm wrong about that. I would I would amend that to a higher number. I don't know what it is, but I would say that there are a significant amount of people that are capable of being sufficiently disillusioned with this to sit to hold their nose and vote for trump Mm -hmm. because they'll be like okay how did we go from energy independent peace in the middle east largely you know and come and moving out of the covid stuff to all of this crazy shit to literally the opposite you know in nine months Mm -hmm. so anyway but but to the to the initial like check-in thing I think I'm probably at a, maybe a four or a three and that's going to sound bad, but people need to understand that I've been basically at a zero <laughs> for the last, An improvement. For the last like, yeah, for like the last, I don't know, 10 months. So, um, it's, yeah, exactly. It's an improvement. Um, <laughs> a, a, a big one. So, I, I think, and I think part of it, man, I mean, I, I'm still just mentally catching up from, I mean, I was in Montana for almost three weeks working like an average of 14 to 16 hours a day whenever I was there. And so I think I'm still just mentally fried. So I'm just trying to catch up on where things are at. Um, but I do think that the best way I could describe it, cause I was thinking about this yesterday. I'm just like, how do I feel right now? Like, let's do a little checkup, um, even just for myself. But, uh, I think, I'm in a bit of a holding pattern in terms of like, I'm going to withhold my or try my best to keep from drawing any more conclusions. Cause I really try to revise. I mean, I just made a revision right there of like, okay, actually I think more people are capable of waking up to this. Um, I'm going to withhold my uh, judgment about how bad things are right now in terms of their ability to get to either get worse or get better. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait until I think around Christmas. My, okay. the, the thing that I've landed on is we need to see what the first semester is like. We need to see some of the, um, in, in terms of like, I, I'm really, basketball season is the big one I'm waiting for hmm. because you can make, like, I can see why some of these places aren't mandating masks for outdoor during football or track, anything like right. that. Like some places have a fall track season, but when basketball happens, I'm really curious what, if there's going to, if schools are going to require masks for parents during basketball games. So this is my, that's one of my big, like hypothesis things mm-hmm. or, or, or like, um, I don't know if hypothesis is the right word, but like the thing I'm going to be looking at to help calibrate where we're at, because I think that that's going to be a big tension thing. Mm-hmm. Also, that's when we're getting into, there's going to be like, Right now, we're not really in the sports where you where there's a lot of um, like transgender stuff. Right. Um, but I think in the fall, we'll get more of that. Well, I guess track is is, is one. Um, but anyway, I want to wait until and see what until like maybe after Christmas, because I want one semester. I want to give some of these uh, like challenges to vaccine mandates time to make it through the legal system. Mm-hmm. Um, like the religious exemptions one, like there's some states that aren't even allowing, or some companies aren't even allowing religious exemption, um, things for people. And so those are being challenged. Uh, so I'm going to give those some time and I really am looking to see, cause, cause again, what happens is that people go home for the holidays and then they interact with the, you know, and, and I think that we can get a good sense of where things are at usually mm-hmm. at or around like Thanksgiving, Christmas time, but I want to wait until after the first semester is done. Cause that also is when schools will have a good chance to reset or change some of their policies on stuff. Um, and so I think my point is, is that I'm at a three or a four, but I could see myself at a six after Christmas, you know, in January, if there, if I see people backing down on some of this crazy shit, if I see some good legal wins, um, but does that make sense? There's just some things I'm waiting for to, to help shape my opinion. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And I think like, ultimately the reality is, it's kind of like, oh God, I had it. And then it slipped out of my head through a bit. It slipped out of my head. Dang. I... Basketball, sports, Basketball, three or four, sports. could be six, Christmas, Thanksgiving, I don't masks, know. sports, transgender. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't Well, I think, you know, <laughs> you know what I was thinking Ryan Stelter, about, potatoes. No, 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 no. I, maybe it'll come back. But like, you know, I guess what I was thinking about when you were, um, you know, speaking is it's kind of like we're in a little bit of a holding pattern right now where it's like, yeah. we can't control any of this stuff. And that's, I think that's exactly right. I honestly think like that's like the biggest kind of white pill to take away from all this, like that, you know, average people have to know that like, we're not in control of any of this right now. We're really not like, like, and so it's kind of like, you know, just have to sit back and watch what happens. Well, we can't influence it though. I made a post on my locals today about how every little thing does matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's important to just to find ways to, to actively be trying to resist this stuff. Um, but yeah, you're right. Largely, especially on the policy realm, like we, like your point is correct. Like we can't do anything there. And so we have to watch mm-hmm. it. The other thing that I was going to say um, that I'm waiting for is um, someone told me that there is going to be, uh, change it like a lot of people were hiding behind OSHA for some of this vaccine oh, stuff. Yes, and that um, after Pfizer got approved, that OSHA is going to be changing their policies, um, and so that OSHA really? is not going to OSHA is not going to be a a like it's not going to be a bulwark against 
like, you know, revealing whether you're vaccinated or not and labeling people as such. So, oh, and that's the other part is that um, I, I want to see if schools start mandating it for kids. It, start ma- oh. doing vaccine mandates for students because is- they have that. Like uh, whenever we took our daughter in yeah. to get some vaccines because not anti-vaccine, you know, it just mm-hmm. got some questions about the COVID one. Uh, I was asking the nurse what she was getting because I always say like, what are you wanting to give her? What are these things, you know? And almost always I say, yeah, go for it. There's been a mm-hmm. few that, that were like basically boosters that it's like, if she's in the 4% of people that get this thing and there's only 4% of them that have a problem, like 4% of the 4%, you know, that's what this is for. And I'm like, okay, no. Um, but like most of the ones they recommend we've gotten, right. but anyway, one of the ones I was asking them is, is she was like, well, she's going to need it for when she goes to kindergarten. And I said, okay, well, we'll, we'll cross our bridge when we get to it. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I'm like, well, she's going to be homeschooled. So I'm not really worried about that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but my point is, is that we have those. So I, I'm also, I want to see what the first school district is and I'll add it to my, you know, mm-hmm. Venn diagram, you know, example that I give of how it's, you know, the places that have drag queen story hour and aren't fighting CRT in schools and do have masks on four-year-olds and do have, you know, mass and man and vaccine mandates. That's that Venn diagrams a circle. Right. I think one thing you could add to it is places that are mandating COVID vaccines for students. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm waiting to see for that. So OSHA, and that, those are the other two things that I'm waiting to see. Well, so what I was going to say came back to me, which is um, the reality is that like human beings can only be pushed so far before yep. they say no. And I think the big question in my mind is like, how far is that? What's the breaking point? What is people? the breaking point? Yep. I mean, and we're seeing like in other countries, they're having their breaking point. Like France has been having massive protests. Like, like something is going on there. I don't know why we're not seeing the same thing here. Maybe it's because, you know, maybe it's be, like we're not seeing the same thing here because in the red states where you might be have like the highest critical mass for these protests, things are pretty much okay. So they don't have anything to protest and they don't, they don't cover the things that happen. Right. Perfect example, a friend of mine, I think I might have even told you about this in the last one. I don't think so. I don't know if it happened yet. Um, yeah, it had. Um, he lives in San Francisco. His union didn't support, and he's a nurse, mm-hmm. and his union didn't support them um, protesting the vaccine mandates for the people because he's an ER nurse. Mm-hmm. And they still, and they put it on Facebook, people that weren't even part of it, people that were, didn't even work at the hospital showed up and were protesting against it. So these things just aren't getting covered also, like in the right. places where they are, they are doing it's not getting covered like the stuff in france isn't getting covered here mm-hmm. no not so. at all you know, again you only know about it because we're on twitter yep because we have to be on twitter it's where the yeah. world revolves around but i don't know we'll see what's gonna happen but anything else for this episode no this is good it was fun catching up that was yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that was good I think, I think, I think that was a good, that's a good place to end it. So you guys can find me, Carlin, um, at kb.locals.com, Carlin Borisenko on YouTube, uh, Dr. Carlin B on Twitter, all the other places. Truman, where can people find you? They can find me on uh, YouTube, Return to Reason, Locals, uh, Return to Reason, uh, Return to Reason.locals.com and Twitter at My Mundane Mind. Can I add one thing? Can I do a one yes. optimist thing, optimistic thing that yes. I just thought of? Good. Because what I almost said was you can find me in the movie theater because I'm stoked that movies are back, man. Like, are there's they a back? bunch of I don't even know. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of movies that are coming out this fall. So that so <laughs> the other thing is that now that movies are back, like so Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi just came out, mm-hmm. uh, the new Marvel movie. 
What I don't see is people writing things about how dangerous the movie theaters are. What I am seeing is people talking about how great this movie is. Really? So, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to, to watch movies. I'm a bit, I'm a huge movie guy. Whenever movie pass came out, mm-hmm. I watched probably three movies a week. Like I love, I'll watch movies by myself. I don't care. I love movies. And so I'm pumped that movies are back. And I think that's another, cause you're talking about like breaking points and stuff. I think one of people's big breaking points is their wallet and Hollywood is like, we're putting these movies out. And a lot of the movies are like, they're not going to do the streaming thing. Like they did with wonder woman or with uh, black widow. They're exclusively in, th- in theaters. So the Venom sequel is coming out next month. Uh, mm-hmm. Shang-Chi just came out. The Eternals is coming out. Uh, Spider-Man, No Way Home. Uh, there, there's the Ghostbusters sequel that actually looks really good. Mm-hmm. It's coming out. Dune. There's a bunch of fucking awesome movies that are coming out. And I think that people, even in these crazy like blue strongholds, people are going to go to those movies. And that will hopefully be another thing where it's like, okay, they're seeing... I'm being required to do all this or my kids being required to do all this. There's some inconsistencies here. I'm comfortable going to a movie, you know? And so I don't know, I'm not, I'm just excited for them personally, but I'm also excited for movies are a thing that unifies us in a lot of ways. Like when there's a good movie, it's a good movie. You know, you can talk about it with people. So that, that's one of my white bill things is that movies are back. And I know it's a stupid, like cheesy thing, but I love movies. And so I'm just excited that they're back. It's not stupid at all. Like one of the things in this whole pandemic that has driven me crazy is like no new content, right? ever right? and it's like yeah. you know have i seen every movie that's ever made no but still like i wanted new movies and especially like flying around on airplanes like you have like the entertainment thing at your seat they've had the same movies for like a year and a half yep. like you just run out of things to watch so no i think that's a great way to end it like good white pill moment i don't know that i yeah. actually want to see any of the movies that you mentioned but i don't even care ghostbusters the ghostbusters sequel I don't know, watch man. That. like i don't know I've, I've been so disappointed with all these things like all these like remakes and sequels and all these things i feel like this the one's level not of disappointment the... is like very high no, th- this will well, then you'll go in with low standards and you'll be pleasantly surprised. Well, wow. I think hus- this one's going to be good. I think they're going to nail it. My husband will probably want to go. So I will go because I'm not a Marvel it. person. You don't like the Marvel. I, Marvel I movies? like some Marvel movies. Like I would really be excited about like, are they ever going to make what is what is the one that I really like? Doctor Doctor Strange. Is that it? Is a guy and they've already yeah. made that movie. But isn't there supposed to be a sequel? Yeah, this, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness comes out. I think it's it's next year. It's twenty. I'll be excited for that movie. That was my that was my favorite Marvel movie. It was Dark, Doctor Strange. Was Benedict Cumberbatch? Yes. Yeah, it's a good mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's. I just it's like solid. the story. I like the story. The story is fun. It's a fun movie. But anyway, so the, so yeah, I'll, 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 I know. there's maybe maybe that puts me at a four or five just because I'm excited the movie. You're like it's like for people listening to the audio, like Truman is like beaming right now. He looks like a little kid that's like in a candy store. He's so excited. <laughs> I love movies, dude. I, these the, movies like Venom two, they got that got delayed a year. Ghostbusters. I can tell you the dates of when these movies. Venom was supposed to come out last October. It's coming out this October. Ghostbusters Afterlife was supposed to come out, I believe, in May or March, and it got pushed back to to now. The Morbius movie got pushed back by. Um, it was supposed to be March of 2020, so it's gonna and it's gonna be March of 2022. So that's like two years. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it was 2021. Yeah, but the Bond movie. All of these, man, I like I've been stoked for these movies. So like, yeah, I'm excited because these are movies I got pumped for two years ago that I thought I was. You know what I mean? Yeah. And oh, and there's a Batman movie with Robert Pattinson. 
that movie looks amazing. I think we're going to get a new trailer for that uh, in October. That I would be Candy excited happens. about. I'm excited about the the movie about like Princess Diana. I like that type of movie. Oh yeah, it's a uh, crazy Kristen Stewart playing. Kristen her? Stewart's playing her. She looks crazy like her in the trailer. Yeah, there's not the trailer. Like they did a I, good I don't job. know if there's a trailer in there, the in. There images. is, yeah. Oh, and oh, actually, is? no, actually, I, I I amend my statement. Downton Abbey two is coming out. Isn't that a TV show? They made a movie about it and now a sequel to the movie is coming out oh, so okay. it continues the downton abbey story i never watched that my dad loved it uh, it's the that's that bbc thing not not really my, my husband thing. pretended not to watch it and not to <laughs> like it so here's here's what happened when the original downton abbey movie came out it was like i had i had made victor watch the entire series with me because like every sunday night i'd be like, I'm like victor we're watching downton abbey like shut off whatever you're doing we're watching downton abbey and he would like sit there looking miserable the whole time and then when the movie came out i said to him i was like so the downton abbey movie's coming out i want to go do you want to go with me and he like pretends he's like well i guess we can go together I'm like, you love Downton Abbey. He's like, no, I don't, but we can go together. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love that whenever people like, I feel like I had an example of that with my wife where I, there was a movie or TV show that she wanted to watch together. And I was like, I act like I didn't like it. I can't remember. I feel like there's, but that always happens, right? Where guys are like, Mm-hmm. fine you know and then they're actually like i know dudes that watch this is us with their wives and i'm and they'll they'll watch it even when she doesn't i'm like you like that show man get the get out of here <laughs> it's okay to admit that you like it it's all right it's not a, a, an aversion to your masculinity exactly you're exactly. proving you're not a toxic man is what's, what's <laughs> going on <laughs> yeah or you're just a cuttlefish like douglas murray writes, writes about all right guys all right, that's a good way to end it <laughs> and we'll see you guys and we do these uh every couple of weeks so we will see you guys again in a couple of weeks. Have a Thanks good one. Thanks for watching. One. Bye. Peace.